Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. It's Wednesday, October 9th, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Yeah! Uh, Mr. Bob Ryer. Yeah! And we're a three-man team this week, and we're going to be talking about New York Comic Con. Uh, this is your New York Comic Con preview show, as um, if you're listening to this on October 9th, New York Comic Con is tomorrow. Starts tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Better um, get to bed early. Yeah. And if you don't listen right away, it's probably already happening as, as you're listening to this right so that's now. That's not so. going to be much of a preview for those folks. No, I mean, they're not. If uh, Yeah. I mean, if they're <laughs> going. But, you know, the, the good thing for people are standing online waiting to get in. Maybe they're listening. Oh, um, so we'll wave to you from inside. We're waving from inside <laughs> oh, the Javits that's, Center. That's rotten. Um, <laughs> um, so we got a lot of, you know, we we know that there are a lot of sites and a lot of places covering uh, the show, and they're going to be bringing you news very fast and, and with giant teams, and we can't really compete uh, with, with that kind of coverage. So we're going to strive to give, bring you guys coverage that you, maybe you don't get on those other sites, some more personal uh, coverage, some, more, some one-on-one interviews with big creators and indie creators. Um, we're going to spend a lot of time on, on Artist Alley, just tracking down people, you know, either talking to them on the spot or, you know, stalking, get, stalking yeah, them. Trying or, not to get thrown or, out of artist alley. Yeah. yeah. Or getting, lunging, yeah, lending, yeah. Uh, or getting them to talk to us another day, setting up some interviews. So, uh, we'll, we'll go some panels. We'll see some cool stuff. Um, if those of you guys who are going to, to New York comic con, and if you're going to be there on Saturday, um, we are doing a little talking comics meetup. It might just end up being, the four of us but um uh, it'll be uh 8 30 on saturday night at uh the beer authority the beer authority i was gonna call it the brew authority which is not right the beer authority and what's the address in that 40th street just off of times square you can see the new york times building right out the window all right so we will uh we'll put that up in the show notes uh where we're going to be in we'll obviously posting on twitter and facebook uh throughout the weekend so it's gonna be a good time we got smashed last year yeah I was not there for the getting smashed. You? Oh man! Oh, that's right. No, I was not there. For oh, and then I smashed. left. I left part of the way through the night. Yeah, to go to the party. That's right. And that's yeah. where. Uh, that's where I met my girlfriend. Ooh. Ooh. Oh boy! Oh, oh. oh. It's, it's the anniversary. Of anniversary. Sorts. It is an yeah. anniversary. Yeah. Um, Maybe we'll even get the Bill Willingham oh. memorial table. Yeah. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. Uh, and we can see those uh, bathroom attendants that you loved so much. Oh, I love her. She's awesome. So you know. <laughs> Writing about comics and drinking beer. Yeah, and drinking beer and starting relationships. That's what Comic Con yeah. is all about. Um, so uh, if we're gonna find love anywhere. Yeah, find it at Comic Con. Uh, we're gonna be doing uh, our preview today uh, of stuff happening there. Uh, before we get to that, though, we have you know we're gonna be doing our a regular thing here. Um, some news before we get to what is 
going to be a huge news weekend. Obviously, we have a plethora of announcements that are set to, to take off uh, from basically every company. But uh, before we get to those, um, the sales numbers came out uh, this week. And as always, this is from uh, Comicron.com. Uh, these are where we're getting these detailed sales numbers from. Uh, not a lot of surprises here. Uh, not in the top, sorry, in the top 10 anyway. Number one was Forever Evil, number one at 139,000. Uh, number two and three were both Infinity, which Infinity two and three, 125, 123,000. So holding incredibly steady uh, for, for, uh, for these issues mm-hmm. of the book. Um, number four, X-Men Battle of the Atom, number one at 113,000. Uh, and then we have uh, two Batman books, Joker and Riddler, which are 23.1 and 23.2, both at about 107,000. Uh, number seven, uh, Mighty Avengers, uh, number one at 101,000 hmm. copies. Number eight, Batman uh, Bane, 23.4 at 95,000. Number nine, Avengers, um, number 19 at 92,000. And number 10, Batman Penguin, which is 23.3, 89,000. Wow. So all four Batman titles end up in the top 10. Um, so that probably has DC patting themselves on the back a little bit uh, because uh, they obviously now look, they, they won market share and dollar share this, um, this month, but they also shipped about three times as many books yeah. as anyone else. Uh, so those numbers are slightly skewed. However, the, the, you know, Normally they would have one book in this list over a hundred thousand. Now they have they have four at about hundred thousand. So it mm. obviously worked for them in, in in that respect. And these are all the three D covers, by the way. These are the three ninety nine versions of the books. Um, some of the two D covers show up later down on the list. Um, number eleven, Superior Spider Man. Number seventeen, eighty nine thousand. Um, then all new X Men at eighty four thousand. And then the second issue of Superior Spider Man that came out last month at eighty thousand. Um, I'm not really sure about that 9,000 bump right there. Usually they're, they're pretty even usually throughout, mm-hmm. throughout the month. I'm thinking maybe because of the, the first Spider-Man 2099 cover, I believe that's gotta be was yeah. 17. The so reason, that's yeah. probably Makes why sense. that was the number one, uh, was the, the little bit of the boost. Um, here's a, here is a big, uh, a big surprise to me. Anyway, the star Wars number one from dark horse, 78, thousand copies sold do you what think is, that oh go ahead go 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 you think maybe it's because of brian wood's star wars that either maybe people bought it thinking that it was that book or maybe just the the brian wood has been so good that it's reinvigorated people's uh love and interest for star wars comics i mean what i was gonna say yeah ah. i think it's most likely the second one uh because brian wood's book sells well but i don't it doesn't sell that well um hmm. I also think there was some mass media push behind the book because it was this. It, it, it probably attracted a lot more of the the normal Star Wars crowd because of the fact that it was this thing that had never been seen that has been kind of rumored for a very very long oh, time. Oh, it's part of the the continuity, right? That book. Well, it's his original screenplay. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. Uh, before it was changed, uh, it's simply the the original script. Yeah, so, what's, it's not. He's not Luke Skywalker. He's Luke, Luke Starkiller. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, so um, number fifteen was Justice League at twenty three point one, which is Dark Side uh, at seventy eight thousand. Uh, Uncanny X Men, Avengers, X Men, Walking Dead, and Guardians of the Galaxy round out your top twenty, all above the, about, all above seventy thousand, basically. Um, 
Batman Black and White did very well, 65,000. We'll see how that holds up in, in the coming months. Uh, Saga, obviously, um, doing very well, 55,000. Um, yeah, so, the, and then we have a lot of DC. We have a lot of action comics and Batman. Um, Green Lantern Sinestro, 48,000. Um, Deadpool, uh, the, it's two issues, both 45,000, about even the same numbers. Um, and then Deadpool kills Deadpool at 41,000. <laughs> So, you know, 130,000 copies of Deadpool comics sold, which is pretty standard, really, for what's been going on here. The, the, the standard cover of Batman Joker itself sold 39,000. So if you, you put those together, you're looking at 140, you know, 145,000 copies for that book. Well, they gave themselves a hell of a month. Yeah. 40% dollar share to Marvel's 28 and yeah. 45% unit sales to Marvel's 29. Yeah. That's pretty special. But yeah. they did ship, as you said, 130 titles last month. They did. That's a lot of books. They, they shipped a lot, a lot of books. Um, no, I mean, it worked. I mean, the core books, it's ba- a lot of Batman. Yeah, a lot it's of Batman. a lot of the one, point ones, two, threes, four, same idea. Yeah. Uh, here we go, though, for next month, what's the spillover? Does anyone then yeah. keep buying, or do the numbers drop back to where they were? You sold, in essence, if all four Batman books were selling, what, 70? Yeah. In essence, Batman twenty three sold two hundred eighty thousand copies this yeah. month. Yeah, which is that's pretty good. That's yeah. old time numbers. Yeah, but what since this is an event within the event, mm. and they're all separate and not the same creative teams, not tied to the storyline that you're reading in Batman or the book you were reading. Mm. Did anyone who bought Ventriloquist for whatever reason start buying Batgirl because Batgirl didn't appear in that or Bane right. or anything else? It's going to be interesting. It's a great science experiment. It is. I mean, I think that, um, I, I think that what it does get them more than anything else is this: what we're talking about right now is this news mm-hmm. story of them beating Marvel and a lot of, uh, I mean, the 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 mainstream and mainstream isn't going to cover this story regardless, but. The, the the once up removed from the comic book websites are just going to say that DC beat Marvel. They're not going to really right. probably examine the dollar share and market share, how many books DC shipped. Um, yeah, I, I think it was probably a good opportunity for them, looking back on it, to bring more readers to books that didn't have that readership by including Batgirl and Ventriloquist if a bunch of people bought it and so on and so forth. I think they probably missed opportunities there. Um, but it feels to me like... It, it almost feels to me like DC does these things. It's almost like, you know, a studio opening up a tentpole movie. You know, it's just let's get the biggest number we possibly can. And what happens after is not really our concern. You know, we'll have another event. Exactly. Exactly. And we've already heard rumor about next year's event. Bleeding Cools already talked about it. it's going to be like a five years later uh, uh, month or something like that where, you know, we'll turn into, you know, Batman, whatever, five years later, and, you know, whatever. But um, that's still a very big rumor. Uh, uh, the, the 50th best-selling comic this month was Powerpuff Girls, number You're one. awesome. Which hit 38,000, almost 39,000. That's a and, great number. Um, and then at 54, Sex Criminals had uh, th- about 38,000 copies. Nice. Which is very, very good for that title, um, and actually beat Brian Wood's Star Wars. Um, but Brian Star was obviously on its ninth issue, and that was its first. So we'll see what the depreciation is. There was a uh, just real quick. There's a talking comics fan that was a little upset when we were discussing uh, sex criminals that we didn't talk about the yeah the vulva the, the very the vaginal cover. cover yeah. So we just talked about it. There you go. Yeah, we hear you. Yeah, we, we definitely <laughs> did hear you. Just for fun, I didn't see the Comicron numbers today. Where was the movement? 
The mo- oh, okay, let's. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna do a little find and search because I have no idea where it's gonna I'm be. I'm sure movement. it's way down the list. Okay, just I, in double figures. I didn't even see it. Oh boy. Uh, no, it's got to be in the top 400. They got, they've got well, down to a thousand be... copies sold here, okay. so it's got to be somewhere in here. Let me go back up. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, there's some. I mean. It's it, the the list is longer than usual as well. It's usually three hundred, but mm-hmm. because of all the extra covers and stuff, it's tough to do it. Um, I'm not seeing it. Okay, so I'm not looking through everything right now. Let me go huh. back up here. What did it sell last month, Bob? Like eleven. Eleven. So let's see. Let's go around that number because it obviously did not boost probably from last month. Um, Actually, no, it wouldn't be out. It wasn't out. Oh, it wasn't out. It That's wasn't right. Out. It was That's right. It got, one of the ones that got canceled. Yeah, yeah, for it, the month. Yeah, it was this past week. So. Yeah. Um, which is a very good issue, by the way. Yes, it will uh, be spoken. I'm about sure later. we'll talk about it. Uh, so big, big month. It, it's DC definitely look. It's more money going to comic books. It's a better for the industry. Uh, we obviously have heard from retailers about not being so happy with the way things worked out. So we'll have to see how that those shockwaves go. Um, it was interesting to see though that while individual sales are up, uh, trades were it was completely flat. Because I think people were investing so much money in mm. the weekly sure. issues that they didn't buy very much. But East of West Volume One was number one at nine thousand uh, for the month. Uh, then Justice League: Throne of Atlantis at uh, five thousand. Star Wars Volume One at five thousand. Wow, it's an upset. Where is Walking Dead? Walking Dead hardcover Volume Nine, uh, which it, which is like a hardcover version of a book that's been out for. However many, because I think they're on like 15 or something now. 17. 17, yeah. Uh, was at number four at 5,000. It's a $35 book, by the way. Um, Walking Dead 100 Project was at 4,000. Uh, is that the director's cut or something? It's, it's probably all the covers is. It probably and all is, yeah. Stuff. Justice League Volume 2 um, at uh, 4,000. And then Saga Volume 1 and 2, My Little Pony, and Superior Spider-Man uh, close out the uh, top... 10 in trades um yeah it was a it was a big month uh for, for the books and uh, we can go, i can look over here well let's just get the raw numbers as far as like those um it, it was 8.5 8.15 uh million copies uh which is up uh uh 25 uh, from a year ago it's up across the board even 15 years ago it's up 10 percent um uh let's see here we go the we top 300 comics uh september was 30.5 million dollars uh huge uh, up huge from the 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 past couple Mm -hmm. of years um dollar sales up 33.9 percent um the trade paperbacks is just like i said flat it's up six percent minus three percent plus one percent depending on us and a year ago it's flat um yeah so i mean there we go it's it's a good month obviously we look at the the comparisons as far as um, use of the dollar and unit share already. Um, image, 6% dollar share and 7% unit share. And then IDW and Dark Horse basically around uh, around 5 and 4, uh, uh, for them respectively. Uh, Dynamite around 2. Boom is at around 1. Um, and then the rest are below 1%. 1%. Um, so yeah, and yeah, DC Comics shipped 129 books. Uh, yep. This month, that's comparatively just to compare it. That's sixty-seven from Marvel, thirty-nine from Image, twenty-seven from Dark Horse, thirty-two from IDW, thirty-one from Dynamite, nineteen from Boom, eight from Avatar, seven from Valiant, and that's it. So, 
Um, and Avatar shipped one magazine. They're the only company to ship a magazine, <laughs> which is the Bleeding Cool magazine, uh, this month. So big, big numbers across the board there. You know, I, I, I do wonder, however, if all of the other books, the Villains Month stuff, took away from the overall raw number of Forever Evil number one. I mean, 139 is a very good number for, for we've been tracking these stats for a couple of years now, you know, just on the show. And that's a big number, but it's not as big as some of the other um, big number one debuts that we've seen over the last couple of years. So I wonder if people spending their money on all those other books took away from that being the focal point uh, of the month for DC. Sure. At least the majority of them were good. Yeah. I, I the ones I read, because mm-hmm. I didn't read Joker's Daughter. Um, mm. uh, I, I liked. There was, no, there was none that I was like, ugh, I hated this. There, there was a couple I was like, eh, I didn't really need to read that. But that happens every month, regardless of right. what books I'm buying. So it doesn't, that doesn't really matter to me. Yeah, no, I mean, overall, I've been really happy with the event. I enjoyed a bunch of the one-shots that I picked up. And I've, been, I've really enjoyed one and two, Forever Evil. Yeah, we'll talk about Forever Evil as well during uh, Books uh, of the Week. Sweet. Um. We had a big announcement uh, today in, in a pre-New uh, York Comic Con news here. Uh, I believe it's, yeah, Dynamite and Dark Horse are doing a crossover between Red Sonia and Conan, uh, which will, and it will be co-written by the current two writers of those books, Brian Wood and Gail Simone, oh, are going to read a crossover. Bob, what do you that's think about this? Awesome. Yeah. Need anything else be said? Mm-hmm. Uh, as characters in Robert Howard's stories, they didn't cross paths all that often. Mm-hmm. So we'll just go from there and see what yeah. happens with those two great creators. See some fun stuff. Yeah. What about you, Steve? You excited about this? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is the first I'm hearing about it. Mm-hmm. But I've I've loved, absolutely loved Gail Simone's Red Sonia. The last issue in particular was, I don't know. I don't know if it'll be on the, on the short list for my end of the year books, but it was pretty damn up there. It's definitely going to be a contender. And Brian Wood... Uh, he's actually, one of his stories is going to take the crown for my book of the week later in the show. So those, both of them on, on one project sounds pretty awesome to me. Yeah. Um, I haven't been reading Brian Woods Conan, but it is apparently great. Uh, we heard about it a lot about last year. Um, so I'm excited to see what their, uh, convalescence of talents, uh, creates. Nice. I was in those two things and it's cool to see two companies, crossing over like this you know they're obviously very, they're competing companies but it's cool to see them bringing two things together that uh people obviously want uh, to see um Do we have uh, an artist on that yet or too i don't soon? i didn't see an artist announcement but i'll go back and check the story mm-hmm. um another big announcement came out of image there have been image have been doing their own one word teaser during the during uh this this month and it started out with new then it was new horror then it was new horror kirkman and azeta um, and it, it turns out that that book is going to be called Outcast, and it's a demonic possession comic uh, by Robert Kirkman and artist Paul Azetta. Um And it's already in development to be a TV series before it's even come out. <laughs> of course. Because it's Robert Kirkman. Um, but we don't know how long uh, The Walking Dead is going to go for beyond here, right? This is going to be season four. Four? Four. four. Okay. I mean, as long as it keeps getting the rating it's getting, it's going to keep going. Mm. Um, and they're already doing that spinoff. They've already announced that spinoff yeah. show. And there's a Thief of Thieves show in development at AMC. So they're in the Robert Kirkman business. Um, so, Steve, do you still read The Walking Dead every month? I do. You do? Are you excited about a new series from Robert Kirkman? A new horror series in particular? Um, Not not necessarily. Well, I'm excited in in the idea that it's something new 
from him, and he is a, he is a great writer. And for a very very long time, I mean, nearly a hundred plus issues, The Walking Dead. When I started reading The Walking Dead, I mean, it was all I could read. Mm. You know, I had to get the big compendiums. I had to get the trades and just. I mean, I cracked out on it. I, I read it from beginning to end. And I think Stephanie did too. Yeah. She read like close to like 90 something issues in a weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly though, I, lately it's, the there's been kind of an event going on since issue number 100 mm-hmm. that we're now at 115. Mm-hmm. And now the book is going to be, I believe either, is it weekly or bi-weekly? It's going to be weekly, I believe for the next few yeah. weeks or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the next like two months yeah, it's yeah, gonna yeah. be it's gonna be weekly. Yeah. Because it's it's like the war. Mm-hmm. You know, the big war. Mm-hmm. And I my problem with The Walking Dead is that it really is something for me that's best read in chunks and in trades because reading it month to month, I, I feel like instead of watching a show that I watched like the commercial break because mm-hmm. just very, very little happens within a single issue mm. that it's it's like the book is over before you even started reading it mm. so but am i excited for um i'm excited to hear about it to to hear if it if it gets you know good word of mouth and good press it's not something that i'll be running to the stands for but um yeah i don't know i mean demonic possession is uh, you know in my wheelhouse <laughs> <laughs> what he said about it was he said that the book is a riff and this is from a story on comic resources he said the book is a riff on the exorcism demonic possession genre about kyle barnes who has been plagued by demonic possessions his entire life and he's decided that he's going to dive deeper into what's been occurring to him and try to figure out what it is he's been experiencing along the way he starts to realize that the things that have threatened him his whole life also threaten the entire world it's a big epic story um, and he said that the writer went, the writer went and said that the exorcism genre is open to a dramatic, realistic interpretation. Um, and in the same vein of his zombie epic can be a series of tropes, which he can hang deeper characters and stories on. We'll be injecting some new elements to that and doing some cool character work and really playing with the genre. Um, there you go. Well, I mean, here's the thing. If he, if he's been, I mean, obviously he's entrenched in the walking dead. He has mm-hmm. been for what? 10 years. Something like that's Something been like going that. on. Something like that. So, I mean, he might not know when it's going to end, but he at least has the plans mapped out mm. into the far future for, you know, his his golden goose. But if he's going to start another project, because maybe, I mean, I know he said at one point that The Walking Dead could go to issue 1000. Well, he said that when he first started it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if he wants to start another project that could be as epic as The Walking Dead and could if it could be as entertaining as it was for me in the very beginning when I, I really got mm. obsessed with it, then yeah, then I definitely wanna wanna read that mm. book if well, he can make that work again. It sounds to me like you and you you and Stephanie both really enjoyed about a hundred hundred and plus issues, hundred and five issues or something. Yeah. And then just the last ten issues or so have not been something that you've been very you've very been very keen on. It's like I. It's for me personally. It's like I said. I just I f- reading it month to month. Right is I think what's doing it. Yeah. But I all it's so out of habit. Yeah. That I pick it up every time it comes in. Rob throws one my way, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, oh, I know I don't have to buy because if I just buy wait for the trade because you know they're gonna be around. Yeah. And they put them out real quick. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's always that one little thing that oh, I want to see how that played out, mm-hmm. and then you read it and it didn't even address it. Mm-hmm. you know and um i don't know it's it's a it's a very conflicting title for me at this point <laughs> i've been reading it for a, a, a long time yeah and uh i'm still entertained by it i just wish that 
the pacing of it was a little bit quicker. I feel like we've been trying to get to the end where we're at now for a really long time. Mm. So, but I'm sure I'm not the only person that feels that way. And then there are people that probably love the shit out of it and are like, you're wrong. (laughs) So, um, two other quick little stories. Dynamite has been teasing, uh, um, a couple books, uh, uh, one of the teasers is the future fights back and it's from Fred Van Lent. Um, and the other one is just, uh, the terror returns and that's Greg Pak. Uh, I have no idea what either one of these are. Hmm. Um, I don't know what properties they could be speaking of. The Fred Van Lent one is kind of gray. It looks almost like broken glass or concrete. And the Greg Pak one is green and it has like a fence. So I don't, I have no idea. Is it for image? No, dynamite. Oh, for dynamite. Oh, I have no idea. So it's probably license license something i'm gonna guess they don't have a ton of originals i mean great concrete i'm thinking paul chadwick's concrete but mm. i why wouldn't he be attached to that right i mean mm. the, the future fights back and the terror returns are the two things so we're gonna we'll find out about those at comic-con it's the black terror who's in maybe. masks for dynamite maybe that could absolutely be absolutely right i mean that makes sense especially for the kind of books that they, they put out. Um, you heard it here, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More rampant speculation. Uh, uh, all right, so that's it uh, for news uh, that I have. Bob, do you have anything I have else? one little bit because it's it, for Bring Halloween. It uh, hot Topic, amazingly enough. I was is, there yesterday. I was too looking for this item and they didn't have it. They said I was go order it online. Uh, did you see the Magneto hoodie? I did. I almost bought that, but at sixty something dollars, it seemed like of a bit much. It is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they have lots of comic book stuff mm-hmm. this Halloween. But the thing they don't have on the shelf, they did uh, costume T-shirts, sort of long tunic ones. Mm-hmm. Phoenix, Rogue, and Captain Marvel. Oh, cool! They had those. They have them on their website. They don't have them in the local store. Uh, so if anyone's looking say, to do one them. of those, you go on the website. They look really, really good. Mm-hmm. So if anyone was thinking along those lines for Halloween, you better get moving because to get the thing shipped to you, we're mm. starting to stare that in the face. I actually, I walked in there yesterday looking for purple gloves for my Halloween outfit. I'm sorry we didn't run into each other. And I just, I, I was in there for, it couldn't have been any more than two minutes. I did kind of like a circuit around the store. Mm. And as I was leaving, I was like, wow, like I am just way, way, I'm, I'm not too old to be in Hot Topic. But it's it's so far from where I am at this point in my mm-hmm. life. Like just when when I when I would go in to buy band shirts from them, first of all, they weren't twenty seven ninety nine, and <laughs> they didn't look yeah. like one of those um, like those spin art machines threw up on them. All the band mm-hmm. shirts now are so loud, and they're all done with neon, and it's big like graffiti letters and crap <laughs> like that. Like I miss like the dark black shirts. You know, just the band's name written in yeah. script in the center, nothing else. Yeah, man. <laughs> those are the days. It's been a long time since those days. It has been a long time. Yeah. Too long. I'm bringing them back. Yeah. Did, did you try Spencer Gifts while you were there? I did. They were actually, See, we did the same circuit. Yeah, they, were, they were actually helpful because they, they didn't have the gloves, but she suggested getting uh, white cotton gloves from the tuxedo store and just buying purple dye mm-hmm. and dyeing them. Yeah. Awesome. Nice, yeah. cheap. Effective. Yes. I good, like it's it. It's a good plan. It's a good plan. I've been trying to put together my Cyclops costume. Nice. It's a pain in the ass. I got to tell Not you. going well. Because they sell one, but it has like the muscles in it, and I hate those yeah. costumes. Dude, I, you should see. I took a picture of a Spider-Man yesterday. He's like all buffed out, mm-hmm. and I uh, look like Bane Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Bane. Yeah. And uh, what was the other one? 
Uh, all the Wolverine costumes were terrible. Mm-hmm. That was another one that I was uh, thinking about doing. But both of the sets of claws suck. Like, I, I want retractable claws. Just mm-hmm. put an extra thing on the forearm and yeah. have them pop out. Every one of these, it's set so that they're all out. So you go to grab your drink, you knock it over somebody's party cup, and beer <laughs> goes all over the place. Yeah, it's like when I was, when I was Freddy Krueger one year. Yeah. I had that problem. Yeah. Oh, I was Freddy Krueger like six Halloweens. I mastered that shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, many years back at Icon, it was my 50th birthday, the night of their costume party, and Jeanette, who I used to work with, was one of the runners of the mm-hmm. show. She let me be one of the judges for the costume parade, which was a hell of a lot of fun, sitting there with a guy who does special effects for monster movies and some writers and so on. Guy shows up in a completely homemade Wolverine outfit. It's mm. sort of felt. He's oh, got stays and things. Yeah. He's got some stubble going on. He made retractable steel claws oh my God. that were thick and heavy. And when he put his hand down, they fell down from gravity and clicked into place. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, the special effects guy and I, we voted for him. They gave it to some bimbo who bought Halo stuff off the internet. <laughs> it's like, what? No. <laughs> this guy spent hours and hours welding and machining stuff yeah. it's very difficult to beat master chief it is i don't know they're everywhere a wolverine with real claws could have <laughs> cut him a new one <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure that someone's made a video like that an animated yeah. video on youtube like that there's a really good uh samus from metroid versus master chief one is there that's really good until the end where then they're like they're like they like make out at the end. Of course they do. Because, <laughs> you know. Speaking of fan things, yeah. I saw a news item they didn't read yet. Marvel's putting a cease and desist against someone making a fan film. Oh, they are? Yeah, it's a Punisher thing based yeah. on Greg Rucka's storyline. Oh, yeah. They, they, I heard about that. Like I didn't hear about the cease and desist, but they had been talking about that early because they... Because somebody had talked to Greg about it, and he's like, I have nothing to do with it. He's like, I'm honored because they put out a trailer uh, for it. Um, oh yeah okay. yeah yeah i mean that sucks i mean but it's i mean it's obviously marvel's right to, to do yeah. that it's like the first time i've heard that though yeah that they've done that usually they let those go as sort of free publicity as long as it's not porn and then yeah. those they can't stop either because yeah. they're fair use there must have been some sort it's of parody they're allowed yeah there must have been some sort of um tightness about maybe because i think they were trying to raise money to make it um, oh, that's another level. You know, not to pay anybody, just to buy stuff. And I think that you you run into s- problems there. Even mm. if you're not making any money, to ask for money to make it, I think, is a little bit of a dicey situation. Mm. Um, that also reminded me, too, about the uh, uh, the George Romero Marvel book, ah. which we'll be hearing about at Comic-Con also, um, but got announced. Uh, we got, saw a teaser for this. While ago, this was I think back around the Marvel Now original Marvel Now teasers, we were starting to see something for this. Um, but uh, yeah, George Romero is writing a book. Um, it's called Empire of the Dead. It's a New York based, sorry, New York based zombie story. Um, from and, north from Pittsburgh. Yep, and uh, it's uh, what is it? Alex Maleev, I believe, is doing the art for it. Yeah. Alex Maleev is doing the art for it, and they released a couple of cover images, which are really, really kind of stunning. Um, images. Bob, as a old school Romero fan, what do you think about this? I'm there. Yeah. I, I except for Survival of the Dead, which mm-hmm. was not great. That's the one on the island, right? It's the Two, one on the island. The warring families. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was very much as usual with Romero. It's a political statement about mm-hmm. Republicans and Democrats basically at war with each other while everything else goes to hell in a handcart. Mm-hmm. Great. I mean, we're seeing that still happening today yeah. as we speak. But it was really heavy handed where he's been pretty subtle over mm-hmm. the years. 
this will be a zombie book, but it'll be something else than zombies. You'll get all sorts of good personal interaction, political commentary, social stuff going on, and they'll have zombies. Yeah. It's exciting for me. I think it's, it's really cool. What do you think, Steve? Um, I'm kind of like Bob. I'd have to say the last two Romero films uh, kind of didn't float my boat, so I'm a little bit more wary. Um, Ooh, Diary didn't do it for you? No. Oh, I love Diary. No, <laughs> I didn't like. I didn't like I, the last two. I, I really didn't care for. Uh, I'm kind of zombied out mm-hmm. a little bit. So I don't, if if Bob comes back to the podcast and is like, then you know <laughs> he's the Godfather of zombies. Please, when, no, I when know. we're at the shop and Rob takes out the book, Steve's gonna buy it. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll see. It depends on the art. And the art's gonna be beautiful. Uh, Maliva is a great artist. It's uh, gonna look great. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. And it's New York. They'll be breaking into places you know and eating uh, folks stop and it. hipster joints. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I hang out at hipster joints. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thanks for outing me, Bob. <laughs> now they know where to find you. Steve wears really huge, oversized glasses when he comes to the yep. podcast, and there's no way to see the little yep. uh, paperboy hat. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> He's like, "I'll drink this Arizona iced tea, but I'm drinking it ironically. <laughs> I don't really like this. I'm gonna drink much. it, but I'm not gonna enjoy it. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna go to a concert and instead of nodding my head and wilding out, I'm just gonna stand there, <laughs> sway back and forth <laughs> listlessly." Um, and they also announced this that thing. That works for me generally, but that's because I'm old. This book uh, called Seekers of the Weird, which is the first partnership between. Uh, it's called Disney Kingdoms Seeker of the Weird, um, and it's a it's a uh, announces the first comic series published under the all new Disney Kingdoms banner, created in close partnership with Walt Disney Imagineering. The Disney Kingdoms line will feature exciting adventure expanding upon existing beloved lands, attractions, characters, and worlds of Walt Disney Parks and Resorts. Um, Seekers of the Weird is about, um, uh, I think, it's called Museum of the, Museum of the Weird, which okay. was never built. It was a Disney attraction that was never built. So it's kind of a, um, I guess they, they have a, um, it's, it was designed by Raleigh Crump in 1965. Um, it was supposed to be a home of a collection of mystical curiosities said to have been unearthed from all corners of the globe. Originally conceived as a spooky walkthrough attraction connected to the haunted mansion, Crump's innovative design were, were left on the drawing board, now resurrected in comic book form. Um, and it's like, it, it's very, you know, very centered, like, you know, family, kid ends up in this place and crazy stuff starts happening. It's an adventure story. I mean, the cover is, you know, someone swinging... Uh, you know, on a on a giant clock pendulum where there are like s- skulls looking like they're eating them and stuff okay. like that. Um, so Monster Squad, Kid Ghostbusters. That's what that's what it vibe se- we're looking at. Yeah, okay. that's that's what it seems like to me. It's interesting uh, that this is the thing. This is this is kind of the first partnership between the parent company and this um, the, the, and Marvel in comic book form. Uh, I think it'll be a big hit just because. It's there are just like we talked about the Star Wars files buying the Star Wars. There are people who are obsessed with Disney parks, and I, I think mm-hmm. this will really this will appeal to them uh, greatly. What does the art look like style wise? Not completely little kids. No, it looks okay. That it's, helps. It's tough to explain it. Um, I was going to show Bob if Bob can see it here. That looks very all ages. Yeah. Um, yeah, looks. I wouldn't feel offended picking that up. It's very sort of painterly cover. Yeah, um, you know, slightly exaggerated, but still with like a hint of realism to it. It looks like um, 
like the cover of scholastic books and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the story follows teens Maxwell and Melody thrust into a thrilling race to the world's strangest and most dangerous museum when their parents are kidnapped. Together, they join forces with their mysterious and swashbuckling uncles as they attempt to rescue their family and save the world from an evil secret society. Along the way, they just might discover the truth behind their wild and weird destiny. Um, mm. There's going to be more information about it at the Cup of Joe panel uh, at New York Comic Con. Mm. Uh, it seems cool to me. And it seems like a book as well that I can, uh, one of those books I could point to people who don't read comic books and say, you should check this out because you love Disney stuff and you love Disney history and this is something you might be interested in. Um, so it sounds co- like it'll trans, uh, transmorgify into something better than the original start starting point of yeah. just the park. So if you get a yeah. good adventure story with these kids, you now bring everyone else to the party too. Yeah. Very shrewd. There are worse things in the world than bringing the Disney brand of storytelling into comic book form. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, they might not always hit, hit it out of the park, but there's a pedigree there that's, you know, storied and wonderful at times. Steve? I can tell you what didn't hit it out of the park. What? I watched The Lone Ranger last night. Oh, boy. <gasps> it's one of Quentin Tarantino's favorite movies of the year, by the way. Is it really? Yeah, he put it on his list. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's was like he... it's number 10 or something. Whoa. Yeah. Good, huh? He's... Oh, oh, Bob. Oh, Bob. Nobody, no no bad review could have prepared me for, for what it actually was. There were, there were moments in that where I was, I watched it by myself. I was yelling out loud, my cat sitting on my lap, and she keep ha- kept having to, like, jump off because I would scare the crap out of her. But um, just moment after moment of I can't believe that they went there. Uh, it, was, it was really... It was bad. It was very bad. And this coming to it pretty cold, right? You're not I, a Lone Ranger fan, really. I no, I'm not a Lone Ranger fan. I was a I was a very big fan though of Disney Infinity. I got the Lone Ranger uh, play play world for it, and that was a lot of fun. And out of morbid curiosity, I wanted to check it out. I did. I love 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 Disney. I like Johnny Depp a lot, but it it was really a shame that. The Lone Ranger was almost made fun of and made to do stupid things, constantly getting into heroic, uh, you know, feats by being forced to do it. It wasn't mm-hmm. him. Yeah, that's what I heard about. You the know, way, yeah. um, instead of saving the day with like gusto, he would save it by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, the mm-hmm. overarching plot with the the railroad was just way too convoluted for for anybody, and it was it was boring. Yeah, it was really boring. And yeah. the bird, oh my god, the stupid bird hats, <laughs> so stupid. Anyway, that's my review of the Lone Ranger. <laughs> Sums it up. They saved everyone thirty dollars. Yeah, let's put it this way: you make a. This is my last thought, and then we'll move on to comics. You make a Lone Ranger movie, and then when he yells "Hi Ho Silver Away," Tonto turns to him and says, "Don't ever do that again." <laughs> How do you make fun oh. of your own signature yeah. line? Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. yeah, so it seemed like any time that it tried to bring back that old time feeling to it, Tonto was like, no, 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 mm-hmm. no, no, white man, no, 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 make him joke right now. It's he didn't talk like that, did he? Uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, I'm sure he oh, did. So, yeah. so there's no improvement Spirit, there. After Spirit all horse, magic himself onto roof. Let's jump. It's awful. <laughs> awful. It's so bad. It's just, it, It's weird to me to hear some of those criticisms just because... Uh, I'm not a super fan of the Pirates movies, mm-hmm. but I feel like Gore Verbinski, who also directed The Lone yes. Ranger, um, at least he seemed very keen to bring back 
that style of movie, mm-hmm. which wasn't being made anymore. So when I saw the Lone Ranger being made, I was like, okay, so they're gonna make a like a an, a western because they don't make westerns anymore, mm-hmm. like an act a fun western, not a really serious western because they do still make those. Nobody watches them, but they still right, make yeah. them. Um, you know, I was like, oh, cool. So that'll be nice. There'll be some cool gunplay. It'll be some like horse battles and stuff like that. Great scenery. Yeah, the exactly. Yeah. yeah, it was beautifully shot. Yeah, the yeah. sets were nice. Yeah. But it only had, like, it had two big action pieces, both involving a train. Right, yeah. And everything else was just kind of them bumbling around. Right, And just yeah. the way that they set the movie up is a, a boy dressed like the Lone Ranger walks into a museum, and all of a sudden he's, he's in this room where, like, you know, the great bear, the great mountain mm, lion, right, and then yeah. there's the, the native savage, and it's... Uh, Tonto is like a hundred and something years old, and all of a sudden he start he's an attraction and he starts to move, and mm-hmm. he tells him the whole story of the Lone Ranger, and it like oh god, it, it just it was oh. it was not good. It I was, guess Mr. Vavinsky has seen a little big man with Dustin Hoffman from about forty <laughs> years ago, where he tells the story. He's a, he's, yeah. he's a million years old and mm-hmm. relates the story of his past. Yeah, I I did I didn't Bleh. enjoy it. It was I, I like I said I love Disney, and there are a lot of Disney movies that are a lot worse that I've forgiven that mm-hmm. I love. This was just not good. All right, Let's, better or worse than cap, the Green Hornet. We're gonna cap <laughs> the uh, the Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger talk. Review, I'm sorry. Yeah. You must you brought it back sort of to comic books with, yeah. the, with the Green Hornet. Uh, I'd like the Green Hornet movie. Oh yeah. yeah, I liked it. Yeah, so it's probably worse. All right, um, oh, it's definitely on. worse than the Green Hornet. Yeah, let's move on to uh, books of the week. Uh, Bob, why don't you start us out? Okay, dokie. Since there's only three of us, I'm going to talk a lot. All right, because <laughs> we usually talk very sparingly oh, yeah, when there's four of us. Uh, starting with Mighty Avengers number two, which mm. I, I gave another uh, run to here. Mm. Still a bit too much event. We I don't know where this book is going to end up going. Uh, a lot of fighting, mm. lots of damn fighting mm. in this one. Not as much characterization. We don't have those quiet moments we had before where we had Luke sitting around yeah. and just chatting. It's a battle book primarily. Yeah. Although we are introduced to, what's a, I had to do some research, Adam Brashear, the Blue Marvel, who was introduced apparently five or six years ago oh, to well. no mm. one remembering, Yeah, uh, was in Fear Itself. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Who didn't read that? Uh, we do have a couple of small moments that are really very cool. Where there's a crowd scene where uh, Proxima Midnight is just taking out everyone, mm-hmm. and old lady is, I'm going to mispronounce this so badly, no passeron, which is they shall not pass. Mm-hmm. And then they all, the crowd starts chanting Avengers Assemble, and Luke Cage, who's gotten the snot kicked out of him, but he's pretty indomitable, which is mm-hmm. another great moment. He comes back in a very Hulk Hogan way back from the 80s yeah. where he's, he's out for the count and the yeah. arm comes up a little bit at a time and yeah. he gets back in the fight. Really, really very great. Go ahead. Do that, Steve. Go <laughs> no, that, that was actually, that was uh, Macho Man yeah, that, that I was yeah. chatting yeah. for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he does, uh, Hulk Hogan is like the Hulkamaniacs right. and, and yeah. all that. No, Take I'm, your I'm, vitamins and yeah. He's pretty obnoxious. Up. I'm not going to go Hulk Hogan right okay. now. <laughs> I love uh, Macho Man in the first Spider-Man movie. Oh right, yeah. Bone Saw is ready. <laughs> he, another quick acclaim story. We were doing Legends of Wrestling too. We were testing for it, and we had all the wrestlers come in and do mm. interviews for acclaim. 
and like everybody was suction cupped to the to the windows like <laughs> Garfield cats on the back of a car. When Hacksaw Jim Duggan came in, mm-hmm. people shit themselves. <laughs> His interview was amazing. He was like, oh. Not even that. <laughs> he would do it mid-sentence. Like, he would be talking, and he was like, his eyes were all bugging mm-hmm. out. One of them was like off to the side, and all of a sudden, he just like, no, I come into the ring. And, oh! and just, he had the two-by-four with him, and he was yeah. back, like, bashing it on the desk. <laughs> it was awesome. That's awesome. Uh, we natural also, segue back to Mighty natural Avengers. Natural segue. Yeah, sure. Well, then we have the introduction of Shoma Garath, who's mm-hmm. been summoned by Proxima. It's a Robert E. Howard character, sort of. He mentioned the name once as someone who wrote a book, you know, an mm-hmm. old cull story in the, in the 30s that never even got printed. But for Marvel, it's from Marvel premiere numbers 2 to 10, Steve Englehart and Frank Bruner, which is one of the great periods for Doctor Strange, and there he is, by oh, the yeah. hoary host of Haggath. There you go. <laughs> there he is. He uh, forces Doctor Strange to actually take out the Ancient One. Mm. I just spoiled a 40-year-old story, but anyway, yeah. it's fun to see the character back. It's very Lovecraftian, Cthuloid, very bad stuff is going to happen in the right, next right. Mighty Avengers. He's like thinking. their Cthulhu, sort of. Yeah, huh? they could use... Cthulhu, Cthulhu, I right, guess, course, but they've yeah. used this character before, so just yeah. go for that. Yeah. Are you are you sticking on for a third issue? I I don't mind the Greg Land art. He is it is definitely changing. He is definitely drawing more than photoshopping. It does seem like so. This issue maybe, was mm. better for me than the first issue as far as yeah. the, the the dynamism of the art, but I think that's also because it was more battle scenes and less character stuff. Um, I, I I won't say I'm on board with it until I see some quiet moments because that's right. the stuff I really have trouble with him. Right. That's what the, the whole me purchasing it is going to really turn on. I want to see the smaller street level stories that we thought right. we were going to get to begin with. We have to move past the event. Uh, I know we all have this. Do we want to wait on Witching Hour? Well, for... it's it's probably my book of the week. So so we'll wait, we'll on, wait that. on that. We'll wait Spoiler on that. alert! Spoiler alert! Witching Hour. <gasps> Uh, the Movement, number five. Gail Very Simone, good. Freddie Williams with a Dan Perosian cover, uh, which is the Uncle Sam Wants You, but now it's mm. Virtue Wants You. This is just getting better and better. And I was always asking about the sales numbers because yeah. I'm sure they're getting worse and worse. The last issue was all about introducing everyone and what their backstories were. And now that starts to come into play here. You begin with uh, Virtue and Captain Mir sitting around having donuts and milkshakes. Mm-hmm. In a charming conversation at one level, but at another, it's all about what's happening. And you kids shouldn't be doing this. You're not prepared for this. You don't know what's going to happen. There are forces aligned against you that are not going to be happy with Mm -hmm. what you're doing. Trying to warn her, they actually come to a nice little agreement. It Mm -hmm. seems as if they walk out respecting each other. And then there's a turn on that, too. Yeah. Uh, There's a mole in the movement, and he is still searching. Mm Mm-hmm which is very, very interesting. We have the trial. We see that happening in their underground mesh there. It's Pena and Wit up mm. for what happened in the first issue where they were harassing street uh, walkers and mm. such. Uh, show us this. And, mm. and that's when the movement first showed up taking all their pictures. They, one of them, I won't say which, pleads guilty. Mm-hmm. The other doesn't think that's such a great idea. And being led back to their cell by vengeance moth who was actually in our scribble thoughts game i was very happy to see that we get to see what she can do for Mm -hmm. the first time when they push over her wheelchair which isn't a very nice thing to do and she takes it out we also get to see mouse crushing on a girl yeah 
I haven't read. I'm so okay, good. I haven't I'll, read I'll, since okay. issue. I read one. I, and two. I, I saw you start to glaze over, so I started to say who, but we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll we'll here. I'll cross that out. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really. I sh- by now I should have caught up with that. I just, it's in the pile. <laughs> it is. The real shame of this is we we've talked this to death. Is this was promoted as something other than it is. This is a really great street level superhero book mm-hmm. with great characters. Uh, new characters we haven't seen, a couple of callbacks. It's a fun part of the DC universe, even as dark as it is, because mm-hmm. it's something we haven't seen before. It's yeah. all new. Yes. Yeah. Sadly, not doing well. So yeah. hopefully it'll last long enough to get through two trades and mm-hmm. you get to get mm-hmm. to complete this story. Yes, sense a, a, a big sense of discovery, um, a sense of danger, because I don't know who's going to live and who's going to die because all these people are new, you know, pretty much for the most part across the board. Uh yeah, it was it was a great issue. It, I I think I mean sales wise, I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm sure it will go down from it did last month, this because or two months ago, because that's what happens. But it it, it suffered for me having the month off from it a little bit, mm-hmm. only because I I took me with that first scene. I was like, what the hell's going on? Like, why are they in a room together talking? You know, because mm-hmm. I don't remember what happened at the end of the last issue. So that was a little bit rough. But other than that, it was it was a a, a great issue and. Uh, I like the that the relationships are complicated in it. That you know, there's a character who you know we saw a couple issues ago who we found out kind of what she was a little bit of a double agent mm-hmm. in, in some ways. But the and that so that sort of resolves itself a little bit here. Uh, but the, the action she takes, while maybe it's not in line with what the movement is doing. It's not. It's it's not cut and dry. It's not. Oh, she's against them. She's doing the wrong thing. She's probably doing the right thing, mm-hmm. you know, um, because these people are about to go too far. Um, yes, exactly. And she's probably saving them more than they will. You know, they'll give her credit for. Um, and I like that. There's that that layer of complication. Yeah. So the they're book. doing overall the right thing, but in the wrong way. Yeah. So someone needs to call them on that, and mm-hmm. it can only come from inside. But then. Yeah. Is this inside person too inside at two levels? Right, yeah. I'm, we're try- I'm trying to be so spoiler-free. <laughs> You're going to enjoy this when you yeah. get to it. And I think they've solicited to issue eight yes. at this point, mm-hmm. so at least we'll probably get eight, um, which would be nice. I'm knocking wood as yeah. I said that. <laughs> I sure hope so. Uh, now we're going to go very old because okay. of something. Uh, I did Steve's lovely new book club. Yeah, and got me reading all sorts of old stuff. So after doing Days of Future Past, I went backwards into one of these sort of spin-offs, which is Excalibur, mm. and it's sixty-five, sort of. It's sixty-six and sixty-seven, though. Rachel Summers shows up at the very end of sixty-five in a surprise. She, I, I don't want to spoil a twenty-year-old story. It's from nineteen ninety-three. This is all Alan Davis, who's mm-hmm. doing Wolverine now with Paul yes. Cornell, but he writes and draws this with inks by. Uh, Mark Farmer. Sounds like a baseball player or something. It does, yeah. I don't know why. Uh, anyhow. Mark Farmer had a pretty good year for the Indians. <laughs> it's okay. That's what, no. It should have been yeah. if it wasn't. Rachel wants to fix things. Mm. Uh, the last time around, she came back. You know, She sent Kate back to change things in Days of Future Past, but it didn't change anything for them. Mm-hmm. And Kate came back to finding just Rachel left, everyone else gone. Mm-hmm. And the world not changed at all. Right. So this time she's she's reacquired some of her mom's. It's from a few issues back in mm-hmm. X Men. Some of her mom's Phoenix power. 
It is now not evil. That's all been purged. She's in control, not possessed. It is Rachel and her memories sends her physical body back to, to then move forward in that our timeline because she's mm. gone back to the wrong one before and then adjust things, get her parents back. Mm. And there's a wonderful moment in, actually it's in 67, where she speaks to her parents on the phone but can't, dials them up and mm -hmm. listens to them and just hangs it up. Great battle stuff, tons of Sentinel things. You get to see Excalibur, which is... Nightcrawler, Captain Britain, Megan, which is from the old Alan Moore Captain mm. Britain days with Alan Davis, who was on art. Uh, Cerise, who is one of the Shi'ar, actually a refugee from that. She tried to do the right thing and ended up stuck here. And we get Widget and Lockheed, little, you remember Lockheed, oh, the yeah, dragon. Oh, yeah, the little so, dragon. Great. Just reading these characters, it's so refreshing to read them this way. And... I'm going to, if you'll indulge me, a couple of quotes. Actually, there's the first Excalibur. Absolutely. Um, we get to X-Men 188 here, and it's Rachel trying to explain to, it's in this, it's actually it's a little bit before this, but just it's what Claremont was doing. Davis has a quote we'll follow. Um, she's explaining to, to Kurt Wagner why you need to do this. Uh, because, uh, okay, there were those among us who wanted only vengeance. They wanted the scales balanced in fire and blood, life for life, but the X-Men stood for something better. They never lost hope no matter what. Because of them, Professor Xavier's dream of a world where normal and mutant could live in peace and fellowship, where there wouldn't be any distinction between them, we'd all just be human, never died. If you turn away from that dream, Kurt, you'll do more damage than you know. We may be doomed, ours may be a lost cause, but sometimes the way we live and die is more important than the simple fact of it. Give up now and all those sacrifices in my world as well as yours will have been for nothing. That's good stuff. <laughs> that is just good stuff. It's just it's lovely to read these characters that way again. Uh, and she also it's in issue sixty-seven. I want to change time, bring back my parents to make things the way they were, but I know that's not possible. We are products of our past. Change it, and we cease to be what we are. I think I'll leave it at that. <laughs> So that's uh, Excalibur 65 to 67. It's May, July, 1993. It's a complete Alan Davis deal. A lot of these are in trades and in those essentials mm. now. If you've been loving the Battle of the Atom, if mm. you've been reading Wolverine and want to see what Alan Davis did with these characters, then... Yeah. it's It uh, it, sound, if it sounds like... I mean, to me, who is reading Battle of the Atom and enjoying it, that sounds to me very much like the story that I'm now currently yeah. reading. So that, that sounds very, very cool. Yeah. It's, it's actually... We're calling this... Uh, it's, uh, back to the present and days of future yet to come. Uh-huh. All right. Always playing with that future. Yeah. yeah that's what gets <laughs> those, us all in trouble. Those X-Men. They just yeah. can't leave it the, well enough alone. No. <laughs> uh, that's it for me. All right. Steve, what do you got for us? Uh, let's see. What do I have? What entertained me this week? Did anybody read the new Marvel Knights Spider-Man? I did read it. You did read it. What did you think? Um, first of all, I think it's extremely pretty Yeah. Uh, to look at. Uh, you know, really interesting panel designs, differ differing styles. Um, even the point where it goes it goes video game like eight bit at, at yeah. points. Um, it, here's it. It's very confusing. It is very confusing. Uh, it's all over the place. It's kind of like a fever dream, and that's what it is. Peter is having a, a sort of a fever dream. It is a Peter Parker Spider Man story because uh, it takes place. Sort of out, sort of out of continuity. They're also kind of unclear about that when they the kind of intro to the story, um, 
they they talk about more like side continuity, like this this could have happened, but we never showed it. Type of between type of the thing. panels, between the else, panels, yeah. type of thing. Uh, I liked it. Um, I think it's a little bit schizophrenic. However, mm-hmm. I do think that if you're going to do another Spider-Man book, if you're going to do a Marvel Knights imprint, that it, if it's not going to be out, out of the box and weird, then what's the point in doing it? Right. So that's by my point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I appreciated it. Uh, for The art was just gorgeous. Uh, Marco Rudy was uh, the artist on this book, and the writer is Matt Kent, uh, for yeah. those that don't know. And it was, I mean, it was absolutely beautiful, but... It's kind of like a, a double-edged sword effect where the artwork is so, so, so dramatic that while you have all this crazy eye-popping art mm-hmm. to concern yourself with, you're also trying to follow this tremendously just, not disjointed, but the presentation of the story because you're supposed to be in the shoes of Peter Parker because he is so... Um, just confused and disillusioned by everything happening around him that as the reader, you're also kind of left at a disadvantage. Yeah. And I, I love it for the sense of that you, I felt like Peter where I, like I was kind of all over the place. I mm. didn't know what, uh, you know, box to read next and, and things like that, or what to look at next really. Mm. Um, especially with some of the panels where the words are dividing, Yeah. you know, um, some of them I thought were a little hard to read. And I had to kind of stare at them for a little while, but uh, definitely something that I'll 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 keep on just for its bizarre nature, and mm-hmm. it's just it's I I got to admire it a little bit. Yeah, it's definitely out there, um, and yeah, it's very admirable. I I think that it's not necessarily the kind of thing I want to read, right? Especially month to month. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that I would like to sit, maybe sit down on my couch. I've got the trade in my hand. I, I, I burn through it. Right. Uh, but it's a showpiece visually. I mean, right. it's got, you know, elements of like a J.H. Williams type look to it with some of the panel design. It's got some of the realism of someone like uh, like David Mack or something like that. You know, it, it's, it's mm-hmm. very different. Um, but I think for me, the story itself, it, it's just, it's not what I want to be reading month to month. I think it's weird. I mean, we don't have a Peter Parker in continuity right now and now all of a sudden we have a book hitting the shelves where peter parker is spider-man again yeah and to open it and this is what you get for your peter parker for all the people that have been like you know itching Mm. for another fix of peter parker and then this is what you put on the shelves Mm -hmm. it's a very ballsy move yeah you know i don't Mm -hmm. know that like average readers of the character would pick it up whether they'd be completely into it Mm -hmm. or if they'd just be like "Uh, what is this right so, yeah. uh, entertaining read nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I want to give a quick shout out for uh, Superior Foes of Spider Man number four, which continues to be absolutely hilarious. Uh, I was having a really shitty day the <laughs> day that I read it, and I picked it up first, knowing that it would make me laugh, and it did not disappoint. Hmm. There were at least three or four moments where I had to close the book and kind of wipe my eyes a little bit, wow. whether it be the art or the writing. Um, I love it. I, it just it's it's funny. It's funny and it is completely unexpected. I had no idea what to, what this book would bring us when it came out, and uh, it's been a, a pleasure to read every month for me so far. So, uh, if you're curious about it, I would definitely check it out. You will definitely get a, a good laugh. Very um, almost like Hawkeye ish kind of kind of stuff happening in it. 
So it's got a great sense of humor. Uh, I got to finally catch up on the last two issues of Morning Glories. I'm not going to talk about it because it spoils a lot of stuff, but I love how every couple of issues of this book that I I believe that I start to get a handle on what's going on and I form this like awesome theory. Like two months ago, I was talking to my girlfriend about this book and I came up with this theory and I was like, yeah, I'm like that's <laughs> totally what's going on. I know it is. And then after reading this issue, they not flip that, but just added a whole other level to it that I didn't hmm. consider. And it just, even if this book is a little confusing and it is that you need a literally a guide and discussion in the back of the book to kind of draw, like, you know, connect the dots sure. and such. But the idea that the storytelling in it is that deep and that rich and that they're calling back to, uh, I mean, they're calling back to things from issues like th- one and three, which I also find interesting because of the fact that the whole idea of pushing out these morning glories issues were to catch people up mm-hmm. and get new readers. I'd be really curious to find out if that actually happened mm-hmm. because stuff that's going on in this book, there's, there's no way that if you jumped onto it and mm-hmm. you know what they're calling season mm-hmm. two, that you would be able to follow it. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. There's just no way. But for people like me that have been reading it from the start, uh, it's, been phenomenal Mm -hmm. it's it's like reading uh twin peaks at a at a you know sinister prep school right so (laughs) but sounds like if you had tried to watch twin peaks at the start of season two without having seen season (laughs) one you'd be just as lost right uh i love twin peaks by the way so good uh okay i got to check out hinderkind Mm -hmm. number one and really cool not what not entirely what i expected to be honest i didn't know what to expect uh, I love the idea that we're having kind of this resurgence with Vertigo and they're putting out uh, these horror books and just these books with really interesting characters and interesting environments to tell a story. And that's probably my favorite thing about Hinderkin. I'm not 100% on the characters just yet, but I do enjoy the, I guess, the another post-apocalyptic story, but... I like the the blending of animal breeds, the idea that it's got kind of like a, we have a, yet another book, kind of like Rat Queens, where it's got a bit of a, a Dungeons and Dragons feel to it as far as the creatures and as far as uh, weaponry and, and different things running around. Uh, did you check it out? I did. And? I did. I liked it. It's 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 a hard book to explain because... It is hard. I'm having a very hard time with it. It's... It's such a mashup of different styles and tones and genres. You know, it it very much feels in some ways like uh, The Last of Us. That, uh, That's you know, what I was thinking. Um, but it, it also has a much more whimsical feel to it at times. And it has a little bit of like that almost like fables type feeling to it at times. It also feels kind of like a gentler sweet tooth, you know, because of the the, mm-hmm. the merging of the animal the animals and the difference and then there's a there's a heavy kind of fantasy layer that that hits really near the end of the book um it's a tough book to pin down with any sort of exact description um but i enjoyed yeah uh, i enjoyed what i read quite a bit uh and those extra elements is what interested me just because it kept it from being just another post-apocalyptic right story because obviously 
along with zombies, that's a very in vogue thing to do in popular fiction and popular media now all over the place. And Hinterkin gives you a different uh, take uh, on that scenario, which right. I liked. Well, I like it. I like that it the way that it starts off. I mean, you see these, you know, de- deformed, creepy hands and this, mm. this scene of these uh, these researchers that have gone deep into the woods uh, to do research. Mm. <laughs> and their campsite or their, you know, their location has kind of been messed up by this creature. And when it's comic books, I mean, it could be anything. Yeah. You know, but as you go on and everything seems kind of Hunger Games-ish mm-hmm. in the beginning, but as you turn the page and as you realize the the scope of the situation, it more and more starts to introduce, you know, mystical and, and fantasy elements. And it does become, it's, it's post-apocalyptic in a fantasy setting as opposed mm. to it just being, you know, a bunch of human beings running out of food. Right, yeah. There's stuff about it that... I mean, they give you a very cursory, quick um, uh, information about how they got to where they were. It's very generic. You know, it's very like uh, the world fought back, like another nature fought back type of uh, situation, Um, which I don't need. If you're going to give it that little of an explanation, then I don't need an explanation. Mm. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. if you're going to give me something that I could have just intuited from just looking at it, unless it's something it's something vital to the story you're telling me i don't need it and the other thing too is like that first thing where they shoot like the zebra in, right. the, in the forest and they're like well, how are we gonna get it home and it pulls back and it's like because you're on top of a skyscraper in manhattan but there's trees on it and i'm like okay like it's cool it's a cool conceit mm-hmm. but i've seen it you know there are shows that basically deal with this right the shows in the discovery channel and history channel that deal with this constantly you right. know, so that's a, it's not it's it doesn't have the effect that I think it's that it that they intend it to have, but I think that it it's an interesting book and I definitely give it at least another issue. Indeed, to see what it's like. Uh, so finally, my book of the week is a book that's been coming out for quite some time. It has that I never. I, all right, I checked out the first issue when it came out, and then it I two, three came out mm-hmm. and I didn't get to read them. So I said, I'll just wait till the end. And then the end turned out to be a very long time yes. from there. And my uh, my book of the week is Mara mm. by Brian Wood with art by Ming Doyle and colors by Jordi Belair. Uh, holy shit. Hmm, I know you really haven't good. finished it. I haven't read the, the sixth issue yet, but okay. how, how crazy is the change from issue one to to the end of issue two. Oh well, it's it's like a completely it's different story. Tremendous. Yeah. I I couldn't help but think about uh, Joe Hill's The Cape mm-hmm. while reading it. Yeah, it takes a very very serious tone. Uh, for people that don't know what the story is, Mara is since she was two years old, she's pretty much been uh, told by her parents and her peers and people that are you know her schooling that she is the absolute best at everything that she does. And she's basically, she's she's bred for success. And as she gets older and older, she starts to develop uh, higher physical prowess than most people. And she turns out to be this tremendous athlete. And in the future, there's kind of a, there's a huge, huge resurgence in uh, the need for sporting events. And basically every sporting event gets put front and center and they're a star athlete among every sport that's in, I guess, creation Mm -hmm. in this future, in this story, is of all things volleyball. Yeah. Mara is the star player. 
she's got you know the fireworks she's got the endorsements she she is the the michael jordan mm-hmm. you know times a million of the sports industry but the problem is is that one day mara kind of she's developing these abilities and these powers and she uses a power during a what's supposed to be a charity uh, event game one day and they catch it because they have these really high tech cameras and they catch her doing this move and it pretty much shames her. It causes a huge, huge blow up in uh, the entertainment industry. And her credibility overnight gets, you know, blown to crap. I personally, I love stories like this because while I, I bitch and moan on Twitter and I, you know, when I'm standing in line at the food store and stuff like that, celebrity news never see, I, I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. It's like a sore tooth that... These people are what there are heroes for so long, and when they're doing good, you know they're on top of the world. They're doing great. The moment they have a bad day, or the moment that they get caught doing something out of the ordinary for celebrity lives, mm-hmm. we descend on them and and put them on the cross, and we'll just splash their personal business all over. You know, terrible newspapers and tabloids and all these things, and that's what we do, and that's what happens with Mara where one night she's the inspiration for every little girl in the world. She does this one thing, and and the entire world turns on her. And for somebody who's uh, just beginning to discover kind of like Omega-level superpowers and mm-hmm. beyond, uh, she kind of takes offense to that mm-hmm. and goes rogue. And it's it's just it's an incredible story of people within power being taken advantage of and being told what to do and trying to, you know, use her as a weapon and all, all this stuff happens. I won't ruin the end. I know Bobby hasn't read it. And you guys, if you're listening to this for the first time, probably haven't even read it, but in the sixth issue, something happens to turn the tables in Mara's mind and kind of teaches her uh, a life, a brand new life lesson. And the, Last issue when read with the other five is beautiful. Mm. It is a inspiring, beautiful end to a really, really intense story. And I mean, I was I was floored by it when I put it down. Yeah, what I love I mean, I haven't read issue six yet, but what I love about the story is that it starts uh this story about this celebrity who does something that she doesn't even know she can do. It's not like mm-hmm. she's intentionally using her superpowers to cheat and be the best at her sport, they develop very, very quickly right. on her, and she doesn't even know she's doing it. And so it, it turns into the story about, you know, the the life of a celebrity. Mm-hmm. Um, that's basically what the first issue is about, and part of the second issue. And then the story just takes this wild, unexpected turn and becomes about something totally different, where she sort of becomes almost like this, like a, a Dr. Manhattan type of character mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. world in, in a lot of ways. Where basically she is like the most feared being in the world, um, which is very very interesting. Um, and it, you know, I, and it, it, th- that turn from where it starts, it, w- it was fascinating to me. Um, unfortunately, he's passed away. But this this whole story that if they were ever going to animate it, uh, would have been. It reminds me a great deal of a Satoshi Khan uh, directed comic book. Satoshi Khan is the guy that did. Uh, he did Paprika. He did Perfect Blue. He did a lot of like very cerebral, very you know socially conscious, really super intense animes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've never seen Perfect Blue, it's 
incredible. Uh, yeah, I I mean we're and I'll say this now when we're doing our end of the year list, this is definitely going to be on mine for you know collected mm-hmm. graphic novel or whatever. Right. Um, really, really great stuff. We've been talking about it for the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. I finally got to it. Just wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Um, so I'm gonna start mine out uh, with a little bit of, with a little bit of negative. Before we move on to the positive, mm-hmm. um, Phantom X Max number one. Uh, it's written by Andrew Hope and art by Sean Crystal with a a very very nice Francesco Francavilla uh, cover. Um, the art inside also by Sean Crystal is very very nice. It's pop art, uh, sparse but very cool uh, looking book. Um, unfortunately, I mean that's kind of where. Uh, the exemplary stuff ends w- with the Ooh. book and it's not, the book isn't horrible. Don't get me wrong. It's not a horrible book. However, um, for people out there like me who maybe love this character from the remender stuff that had just passed the uncanny X-Force stuff. And he's not really anywhere. He isn't uncanny X-Force, but that book hasn't really carried the torch so much. Maybe you're looking for something. This is probably not the book for you. I'm not, I have not read a lot of max books. I know that it's the violent line, like the more, re- a line of Marvel books. However, I mean, this just comes off more as like, um, like a Duke Nukem, you know, uh, type of story. Like just, it's, there's just too many, like completely crushed skulls and it's, it's very cartoony. It's not like I was like, Oh, that's gross. But it was just, it, it left no room to be engaged in the story. It just seemed like every two pages, they need to do something graphically violent and overly bloody, um, to almost comical effect that the story they were telling just didn't really work out. And also, if you don't know who Phantom X is... That would be me. And you were looking to read this book, maybe oh, it's, it's a number one, it's in a different universe, they'll probably establish him. That's not a hope that you will have fulfilled here either, because if I had known the stuff I'd known about him, I would not have understood what his powers were, what he could do, who he was. So I think overall, just kind of... It's a little bit of a failure as in those things. I don't know. People who just really love the Max line of books, I don't know if this is the kind of thing that they like and they're interested in just for that over-hyper-violence. And if it is that what you're interested in, then that's definitely here. But if you're looking for a good Phantom X story, this is uh, this is not it. Um, uh, we talked about it a little bit last week. Mm-hmm. But Rat Queens number one by Curtis Weeb, I just want to say that I absolutely loved it. Uh, I finished with a giant, giant smile on my face. I loved the kind of the crazy mix of uh, fantasy and the different races and the, this very seemingly established world that he just popped us into. He did a very good job of world building. Yep. Also, I love the art by uh, Rock Upchurch. I think it's, it's yep. awesome. He's going to be at uh, NYCC. Cool. Cool. Yeah, it's really great stuff. I, I highly, highly recommend that book. Um, Forever Evil. Uh, number two. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the number one uh, last month. We all really loved it, and I'm still on board. Same way with this second issue. Yeah, totally. Um, and crazy enough, the, the crazy thing about Forever Evil is that it made me for number two. It made me want to read Teen Titans because something happens to t- t- Teen Titans in this issue that I was like, "What the hell? I want to know what happens to them." So uh, that was kind of cool. I, I don't. I'm assuming that the book is still of the low quality that I remember it being because uh, <laughs> it's, it's the same team. On it, the same writer. Uh, I'm just not a big Scott Lobdell fan, and I believe he's still writing Teen Titans. Uh, but the setup was really cool, and Jeff Johns writing Teen Titans in Forever Evil number two. He wrote Teen Titans for a while for DC. I think it was one of his first really big books for them. Um, awesome. The Superboy stuff, the the Tim Drake stuff, um, the Wonder Girl stuff, all all really really great. Um, 
great action stuff. Once again, really great Lex Luthor stuff. We get a new Bizarro. It's not the same Bizarro that we're used to. I don't know if that means this is going to be the only Bizarro in New 52 or it's just kind of maybe how we get there type of thing. Uh, but I, I like the way he used him and, and his explanation of, of why he acts the way he acts. Mm-hmm. And we get a very good uh, cliffhanger at the end where some characters show back up. Took him out of the oven too soon. One of which, yeah, t- Bizarro, yeah, took him yeah. out of the oven too soon, yeah. But at the end, there's characters show up uh, who you're not really expect. Well, one who I definitely expected to be back, but the one that is with him, spoiler, it's a him, did not expect to be the other character who who showed back up uh, and would be an essential part uh, of this story. So uh, I'm really excited. Steve, what did you think of uh, Forever Evil number two? I'm really digging it. I'm really digging it. Um, the the use of each character. So far, I'm trying to see who the oh. Okay. Um. Yeah. No. I I seriously I'm really really enjoying it, and I you know I've been saying this I guess the last two weeks. I was the one that was really iffy, but I, I did I did say that I would probably eat my words. So <laughs> nom 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 nom. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and there's a lot of great. It's really like having me. Uh, I like Lex Luthor yeah. a lot, and I haven't had a whole lot of exposure to him. I've read a couple of good stories, but I like the the Forever Evil books one and two have been great. Uh, Jeff Johns really seems to have a handle on every character that he involves in his stories and just a way of writing them to the point where they're all enjoyable. They all fit well. And the, the dark and sinister tone of it is really entertaining instead Mm -hmm. of being like, Oh, DC, it's so Mm -hmm. dark. It's so dark. This is the dark that they do that for me, that works. Mm -hmm. I mean, this works for me, you know? Um, I'm always saying, oh, you know, why, th- why can't they lighten it up and blah, blah, blah. This is a time where I'm I'm totally, totally digging the the darkness and just the, the severity of the world. And I think that's what I'm digging so much about it is that really the entire DC universe is at stake. It's mm-hmm. not just this one you know, dark corner of a universe. It's mm-hmm. all of it. Yeah. And everybody, I mean, there are still heroes around, mm-hmm. but they're all kind of dumbfounded and it, it just shows you how much uh i guess like ringmasters the justice league are and just how much of their say so uh reaches out to the other heroes because the people that have tried to step in to do something about this we haven't seen many of them and the ones that we have uh are kind of run around like a chicken with their head cut off yeah you know mm-hmm. and uh i like seeing the powered up people depowered and I like where it's headed that when you putting all these villains together, they get what they want. And you would think that, oh, they have the world now and now they'll be happy. All those one shots that we've seen where you've taken away a lot of uh, their purposes, you know, especially in the Aquaman uh, mm. tie ins and stuff like that. When you take away a villain's purpose, what are they left to do? Either they fight each other or they, they find another thing to hate. Yeah. You know, so I I always find villains to be very interesting, and since this is vil- this is very villain centric, mm-hmm. it's been a lot of fun for me. Yeah, me too. And I uh, I will say one thing: I I don't. I, I mean, it's probably the last time I'm going to say this because it's he's going to be artist on all six or seven issues, whatever it is. I don't really love the art. Uh, sometimes I think it looks great. Sometimes I think it just 
the, the proportions are wrong and not necessarily like they're too muscular or the, the women look too busty or anything like that. It's just, they just look weird to me sometimes. Um, and so I don't like that stuff. However, um, I, I think that it makes, this is a story where it makes sense why it would be, uh, it, it, it is dark, but it's not oppressive. You know, I don't feel oppressed because the, 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 I mean, the book is, focusing on villains is focusing on these really bad people who are running the world now but because we're focusing on those people they uh, at least a few of them kind of take glee and how bad they are so that's a little bit fun to watch you know um and we again we get more layers about the the dissension in in the crime syndicate which i liked a lot we get a we get a mystery crop up here there's a there is a man, or a, not even, we don't know if it's a man or not. It looks like a man, a, a, a character with a bag over his head that the crime syndicate is keeping hostage, and we don't know who it is. And they seem to be arguing over why they have this person kept hostage. And it's not Dick Grayson because they they mentioned Dick Grayson in, in another um, in that same conversation. Um, basically, if, if oh if, if I'm supposed to get rid of this person, you get rid of Dick Grayson. Is basically in the conversation. Um, so I'm interested to see uh, where it goes from there. But it has been awesome. Um, really, really, uh, the kind of stuff that I love from their events. This is what, that's what Forever Evil has been. Uh, and finally, my book of the week though, is, uh, The Witching Hour, uh, yeah. uh, Nine Tales of Divine Horror, another book from Vertigo. This is a, uh, one sh- anthology one shot, uh, taking, uh, a bunch of really cool creators, ones I know and others I have no idea who they are, um, and putting together kind of different takes on the idea, I guess, of of witchcraft, even though some don't really have much to do with witchcraft, mm-hmm. but I guess yeah, they mention the word witch. They have the word witch yeah. in them, um, uh, but I I'll, I'll just go over a couple of my favorites right now, and then we'll, we'll talk about some other ones. I mean, Mars to Stay uh, uh, by uh, mm-hmm. Brett Lewis and Cliff Chang, uh, very moonish, you know, very yes. uh, Solaris, um, even that like P- Pandorum, all these kind of space insanity type of, of movies uh you know it started out i started out reading it and i i liked it but i, I didn't know where it was going but by the end i was enthralled by, by what was happening mm-hmm. and i i really loved it see if i know you were saying i think you really like that one too right yeah yeah that was another one where i was kind of i was kind of off put a little bit because mm-hmm. it was very it was very science fiction yeah and I didn't know, but it actually wound up reminding me very much of a like one of the best Twilight Ozone episodes mm-hmm. that I've seen. And uh, the more and more I read, you know what it is, because a lot of it's a, it's a very like art intensive uh, anthology. Mm-hmm. And then I came across this, you know, black, red, and white, uh, or art red, orange kind of vibe and it's it's dense mm-hmm. it's really dense but it's it's dense for a reason it covers a lot of ground and uh there's even a little total recall moment yeah there going is. on mm-hmm. in it and yeah. uh yeah i mean it was it was one of my it ended up being one of my favorites mm-hmm. uh because there were a lot of good ones yeah i uh i particularly i loved the first story daniel mm-hmm. it reminded me a little bit of a like a tales from the crypt yeah, it reminded me of Trick or Treat. This yeah, reminded me of it's like Trick or yeah. Treat mixed with uh, Disney with Pixar's Up. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Um, I mean, my absolute favorite though it was Legs, the Kelly Sue DeConnick. I think it's the scariest yeah. one. In the it bunch. definitely yeah. is the scariest one. I mean, Bob, what do you think of the Mars's Day one? Love that again. Yeah. Just all the, the movies you're yeah. uh, chronicling. It's yeah. all that vibe and very much. 
it's a horror science fiction because you, you, yeah. the intent is to horrify. Yeah. It's a scary situation. They're stuck. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Mars has become a, a it's a base based. Oh, oh, that was terrible sense. <laughs> Uh, it's totally rooted in mm. reality television. They only mm. get to have supplies because they raise money at home and send yeah. people out on commercials. Mm. And then the ratings go down and they're yeah. all sort of left behind. And well, now we start to make choices. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah, Lovely it was stuff. intense. It had me freaked yeah. out. Uh, what do you think of Legs, though? Legs, I had to close the book and like yeah. go in the other room. It's, <laughs> it ends... It ends not the way I expected. I don't know what I expected. I think I wanted a really horrible story, and it seemed to go away from that a little yeah. bit and then took this turn back into it. Yeah. And the art, uh, just amazing. It's Ming Doyle. Yeah, Ming Doyle. Really creepy. It's it's very, you're talking about you know gray, oranges, and mm-hmm. reds. This is a black and white television episode of a Twilight Zone yeah. mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. I definitely could have seen that uh, all the way back then. Yeah, it was. Uh, I I that was in the. I, t- I kind of had to close the book like on my finger after yeah. I read that story. I was like, okay, I need to take a little bit of a, a pause before I go <laughs> yeah. on to the next one. Steve, what were one of your favorites? Uh, I like. I enjoyed Little Witch by uh, Alesh Khan. Oh yeah, that was uh, good. Morgan uh, Morgan Jeske and Sloane Long. Uh, it was cool. It was kind of one of those uh, promises broken PTSD kind mm-hmm. of stories. I, I really liked, I won't say the way it ended, but I really liked the way it ended. I thought it was very sweet. Yeah. It and reminded me of uh, The Kite Runner. Have you read that, you yes, read that book? That's yes. what it reminded me of. Uh, yeah, absolutely. More, yeah, now, much now, more realistic than some of the, a lot of the other stories. Right. Um, I was a little disappointed. I was really, I didn't even realize that Dead Boy Detectives mm-hmm. was a part of this. And I started reading it and I was super excited. I was like, oh, I've been waiting for this book to come out. It's not coming out till I believe... Is it October 30th or is it December? I'm not sure. I think it might be December. Um, And I was like so psyched. And then I realized that it was part, they've been doing these anthologies that this is the third part Mm -hmm. of a continuing story. Yeah. And I was reading it and I'm like, I have no idea. (laughs) Same thing with me, yeah. No idea what the hell is going on. I feel like I'm supposed to know all this stuff. And then I get to the last page and it says part three. And I'm like, oh, well, duh. Yeah. So, and it's a shame because I've really been looking forward to this series starting up. Mm-hmm. And I, even though I understand what it was now, it kind of, it threw me off. And it threw off my impression at first mm-hmm. about uh, Dead Boy Detectives. Yeah, I have the first one, which I, I don't, it was Ghosted? Oh, was that the first? Oh, yeah, I have that too. I don't have the middle one though, which I didn't buy, but... It was in there, one of these Vertigo anthologies. Mm-hmm. Um, but was one of your other stories you I love the last story in here, Rise. Oh, yeah. Mariah Wayner, I am mm-hmm. assuming mm-hmm. that's a press, and Tula Lote, mm-hmm. a woman taking a walking trip. Everything's yeah, going bad. It's it raining cool. awful. Goes in a cave. You don't go in a cave in a horror no. story. It's like going in the basement with a flashlight or saying, yeah. I'll be back. You don't do those things. No. And she does and gets a very bad comeuppance. The art is incredible. It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the colors, which we don't have a color, or do we have a colorist listed on that one? I don't uh, know. We do. We might. It's just Art in... and Colors by Tula Lotte. Okay. Okay. Uh, just really spooky and nasty. I, I, You had one other open that we'll talk about together. Okay. But I was enjoying this witch's work, Annie Mock, Emily Carroll. Mm-hmm. I am, I, and I guess it's on purpose, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be seeing and exactly how it ends. Yeah, yeah. 
It's confusing. Uh, I yeah. mean, uh, should we talk about it? I don't yeah, want to spoil. Yeah, we can spoil. talk about it. I mean, it's a, yeah. is the is the person narrating the person the protagonist here been changed sexually? Mm, yeah, boy to girl. That's what it seems like to okay, me. Okay, that's yes. okay. Then yeah. I did read that correct, but yeah. it was really very affecting. It was very sad. Yeah, and yet uplifting at once. Very yeah. interesting. It was. It was very much uh, like a almost like a poem to mm. me you know oh this one here right yeah, yes. yeah it was it was like an it was it was felt to me like basically raw emotion put onto the page like it's it it has a, a an outline of a story obviously but i feel like it's it, it much like a poem or much like just feelings in general it, it skips back and forth between you know what's real and what's in your mind and, and a lot of these things uh, but some of it was very affecting and and um the, especially at the very end w- was very very good the kind of affirmation mm-hmm. that's at mm-hmm. the end w- was I-, I think really touching it reminds me of a uh like a final project film for, yeah, uh, for yeah. film school yeah yeah exactly yeah exactly that's what it does feel like it, yes absolutely well, that one's a very good one too you uh, just birdie. opened up birdie yeah birdie was interesting as well a post apocalyptic type of feeling to it you know um Kind of has that, you know, this this uh, she's sort of like a psychic kind of kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, it was cool. It was definitely cool. All of them had a, something about them that I think was redeeming, whether it was the art or the writing or both. Um, do you want to talk about uh, what was it? Uh, fellow travelers, fellow travelers. I, I'm a huge fan of all sort of things mm-hmm. retro, and here mm-hmm. we're dealing with a an alternate past 50s though mm-hmm. maybe it was our past before these yeah. this witch named Norma Jean goes back and fixes things yeah along with her writer husband hopefully mm-hmm. people who are old enough to know about such things understand who we're actually talking it's, about here yeah, yeah, yeah. and what it is he's writing about yeah they're being chased down the street in their old Buick here i think mm-hmm. that's a Buick by J Edgar Hoover and Joe McCarthy yeah <laughs> Which you know should tell you what sort of witch hunt we're dealing with, yeah. but it, everything's been flipped on their head. Mm-hmm. It's a the there were communists in Salem and witches in the fifties, mm-hmm. and we're we're just having to change how that works. It is a lot of fun, a lot of great little callbacks to history twisted on its head, mm-hmm. and a just staggeringly funny ending if you're a fan of a certain work of Mr. Miller's. Yeah, as all those things are thrown around mm-hmm. in there, and it's ah, oh, just love it the, for this time of year. Someone who loves that play, read it in school, mm-hmm. uh, loved the movie that was done yeah. all, about twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Been to Salem, had some fun up there, looking at all that weird stuff. This is just a great, great story. I love yeah. the art. Yeah, for this story. Yeah, um, it's Sean McManus is mm-hmm. the is the artist on there, and it's written by uh, Matthew Sturges, I believe. It reminds mm-hmm. me of a little bit of like if uh, if Bewitched hit the road. Yeah. Yes. It's it's like a it feels to me like like a Doctor Who episode, yeah. You know, it has that kind of feeling to it. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, for me, like I like the idea of it. For me, like the anal- and it's probably just because in my brain doesn't make sense in real life. But like the communists in Salem, like that part of like the 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 switch around. I have a problem getting over it. I have no problem getting over the witches in the fifties. No problem. Mm-hmm. But the communists, like. In the 1700s in Salem, it, my brain, the, the logical <laughs> yeah. part of my brain won't get through it, you know. Uh, but I did really like it. It was a lot of fun, and it was a nice change up because mm-hmm. most of mm-hmm. the stories are very, are, are very deep and very, some of them are very scary. So it was a nice, happy right. change up, especially because well, it we, came right after legs. So. Right. Though, <laughs> though we do get the, oh, I don't want to spoil so much. You, you do get the 
really terrible ending. ending yes, yeah, in that you do. They don't shy away from that. But that the change happens in the way it does was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It just, we go down into, we get to the real McCarthy. Yeah. Yeah, and the real Norma Jean. Yeah, we, that part, obviously, the realism part of that what was affecting. Yeah. Um, I, like, like I said, I know there's Ghosted, and then there was this middle one, which I don't know the name of it because I didn't buy it, and then there's this one. Um, of these, they both came out this year. Of these three kind of Vertigo horror anthologies, uh, the two I've read, this is this was ultimately the standout of the two I've read. I felt like every single mm-hmm. story here really had something to offer that I would really, really enjoyed. And it's perfect Halloween book. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's a perfect book to give to somebody who doesn't necessarily read comics and go, here, check this out. If you like horror stuff, if you like scary stories, like spooky stories, you want to be in the mood, like this is a, a great thing for someone. i got to tell you, when I picked it up and saw it was $8, I was a bit off-put yeah. initially. Yeah. Worth every penny. Absolutely worth every penny. Like, and it, like, it seems it too, it's an art showcase. There's just great oh, yeah, art all over a, it. There's a, there's a yeah. ridiculous amount of talent in that book. Yeah. Um, hoping to see some of them at New York Comic Con so we can yeah. uh, have mm-hmm. some chats. Um, Before we sign yeah. off the book yeah. of the week, it won't be my book of the week, but for people interested in the history of comic books, mm-hmm. a fellow named Mike Madrid, who a few years ago wrote The Supergirls, which is all the major characters laid out and you get their history, the artist, what the book meant in its time and moving forward, has just had put out a new collection, actually I think Barnes & Noble broke street date, mm-hmm. called Divas, Dames, and Daredevils, Lost Heroines of Golden Age Comics. This is, instead of a, a clinical study, it is actually tons and tons of old stories with context. Mm-hmm. Characters, I mean, I've never heard of Pet Patriot <laughs> or the Spider Widow. I mean, I've heard of a lot of things. Mother <laughs> Hubbard, <laughs> uh, Betty Bates, Lady at Law, Phantom Mom, Mystery Woman of the Jungle, who I actually had heard of, but never... A lot of these have been mentioned in comics history books for years mm-hmm. and never seen a panel of any of it. Now, in the book, which is only 1695, which mm-hmm. is kind of neat, the art is all black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead, Steve. I was going to say, was that a swastika That's a big swastika. It's the war. It's all... These are... Heroines, the feminazi (laughs) before the war and during the war, after the war, things changed, and you know, and our regular society they changed. Women were supposed to go back to the kitchen Mm -hmm. and not work. And these female characters and their artists, in some cases, all found they were not wanted anymore. The ebook version has all these stories in color. Oh, wow! Now, I'm not sure how much that ebook is, but yeah, (laughs) I'm curious. Go ahead, (laughs) pussy catnip. It's a funny animal story. She's a, a drunken cat detective in a world full of funny animals. That sounds like Stephanie. <laughs> she lunges, too. <laughs> Lady Satan, Madam Strange. The Black Venus. The Sorceress of Zoom. Nice. Wow, some of these are really cool. <laughs> so, dames, Divas, and Daredevils. Very cool. Man. All right. Or um, Divas, Dames, and Daredevils. I'm sorry, from uh, Exterminating Angel Press. And this is the Mike same person who are the Supergirls. Supergirls, yeah. Very nice companion volume. Mm. Supergirls, all the major heroines up to the modern age. Mm. This is all Golden Age lost heroines. Awesome, awesome. All right, so that's it for our Book of the Week and news segment. We're going to take a little break, and we're going to give you our New York Comic Con preview.
we are back. Uh, and we're going to be doing our little uh, New York Comic Con preview. Now, we're not going to be listing off um, everything that's happening at New York Comic Con. Just the things that we're interested in and that we are going to be uh, hoping to check out in the time that we are there. Um, Bob, why don't, you, uh, why don't you start us out? Well, for me, Thursday, which we discovered last year, thankfully, th- with Rob mm-hmm. leading the way, Thursday is the day to get things done in Artist Alley. Mm-hmm. You want to either get a commission done, pick something up, make contact, buy some stuff, that's the day. So for me, Thursday's Artist Alley. There are a couple of panels, though, for me Thursday. All right. There's a Women in Comics with Becky Cloonan. Mm-hmm. PBS is premiering at least the first episode of a three-part series called Superheroes. Oh, yes, yeah. So I want to go to that. And 500 lucky winners or something get a copy of the book, too. <laughs> so I'm going to have to knock someone over and steal their book. <laughs> uh, I would love to see that. Hey, I knocked someone over last year who was trying to stop me from getting into the Firefly panel. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know if I've told this story, but we, we sat there in the cattle pens for hours <laughs> so we could get into this thing. And they had already had 500 people. The only people who were going to get in the room were already sectioned off. The rest of us are sitting in the front by some video screen. And we wait, and we wait, and hours go by, and we were changing. Sarah, Ted, and I, one of us would go, and one would stay, and back Mm -hmm. and forth the whole day. And then they announced, just as they're letting those 500 people in, they were going to let 200 more in, or whatever it was, from the back of that line. Then, announcement. Oh, the producers say we can let everybody in. Well, those of us who waited patiently in the front, who were the front of the line, we were out of luck. All the people who were milling around in the room start running. Mm -hmm. Over, um, they have all those steel barriers. Mm-hmm. It looks like the velvet ropes at the bank only steel. People were kicking them over and running the high hurdles like mm-hmm. Edward Moses over them or whatever. <laughs> and Sarah and Ted are saying, well, well, we're not going to get in. Went, yeah, yeah, I'm a New Yorker. We're going to get in. Trust me. Yeah. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> so as people are running for the back of the line, I'm just, okay, he cut that guy and he cut that guy. I found some 16-year-old kid dressed like Batman. And I, for people who don't know, I have very bony arms, and I was a <laughs> basketball player. I know how to get position for a rebound. I gave this fella an elbow in the chest, and he audibly went, Ugh! And went Hey, you cut all those people. Just be quiet there, Batman, all right? And we got in. But uh, anyway, I don't Bob know what... Laid, Bob laid the smackdown on I uh, laid the smackdown on, on Batman. And he definitely deserved it. But anyway, so... For me, it's the lack of crowds on a Thursday. It's a day to go to all the booths. It's to see if there are cool exclusives, sneak a quick chat with someone in, mm-hmm. make plans for getting someone here yes. on the air. Uh, are we going to go down the whole Artist Alley thing now or wait for later? Or what you... you can do it now. It's fine. Uh, I, it's free form, Bob. Free form. Okay. I, I definitely want Felipe Andre to get some Captain Marvel art. Yeah. Which would be very, very cool. Yeah, I got to get some from that. Yasmin Liang from Steed and Mrs. Peel. Oh, oh, nice. That's cool. So I'm hoping for a, a nice talk. I think you'll be able to talk to I, I hope so. Yeah. She is from Hong Kong. I don't know how much English she speaks. She's at RSL. She probably speaks some English. Okay. Because, Maybe she has I mean, a translator yeah. or something. Oh, that's true. That's uh, yeah. Adam Hughes is going to be there, mm-hmm. which could be fun. Certainly, yeah. maybe he has his book there. And we get if he's there on, thir- on Thursday, I don't know if he'll be there on Thursday. Some of the bigger guests aren't usually Ooh. aren't there on Thursdays. That could be a problem. Mark Brooks, though, some fearless defenders. Yeah, that'll be awesome. We'll definitely talk to him because he, like, 
is con- oh no, it's Will Sliney. That's Will Sliney, yeah, yeah, because Mark Brooks is the covers. Right, right, right. Will Sliney's interior art. Uh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, George Perez. We'll talk to him anyway. I don't care. Yeah. If he just- right. <laughs> <laughs> George Perez is just inundated. Mm-hmm. I managed to shake his hand running past and cut about four hundred people in line just to say thanks. <laughs> nice. At the end of the day, uh, Amy Reader. Definitely want to get a chance yeah. to talk to her because yep. we missed her last year because of Hurricane Sandy. We had it all set up for you guys that on Halloween Eve, we were going to discuss Halloween Eve with yeah. with her and Brandon Montclair mm-hmm. and got blown away by we the did. hurricane. We did. So we'll try it again this year. How about you guys? Anybody doing Artist Alley? Oh, yeah. Well, that's where I'll be Thursday. But see, do you have any specifics you wanted to mention? No, I mean, it's it's all about Artist Alley. It's uh, For me, Thursday is all about Artist Alley, going around, checking out all the artwork that I shouldn't be buying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have, I don't know if it's Thursday, but I have a interview lined up with Stephanie Hahn, uh, Hans, Ooh. who is the cover artist for the Journey into Mystery Loki run, mm-hmm. as well as uh, the interior art for Fearless Defenders number seven mm-hmm. that just absolutely blew me away. The Valhalla uh, issue, right? Yeah, yeah. just uh, I guess two months ago that came out. Absolutely. That was what really woke me up to her art. I contacted her, and she's very sweet and very game to, uh, to talk. Uh, finally, after about, I guess, two years of being friends uh, outside of Twitter and, and basically having late-night chats with uh, Royden Lepp, he and I will finally be able to meet face-to-face and shake hands. And uh, I want to pick up some extra copies of Rust uh, to give away uh, as Christmas gifts. And um, just to, you know, finally meet a friend yeah. and, and sit down and, and chat with him and find out where he's at with the progress on volume three maybe get an update on uh what's going on with the film i know that they changed uh directors at one point so that'll be interesting but i mean thursday thursday is really the settling in let it let it kind of wash over you that you're back at new york city comic-con and just get ready for the next couple of days thursday is always the greatest because i mean you can literally do cartwheels Mm -hmm. around uh around the place Friday, not so much. No. Um, it's funny because to me, Thursday is definitely the almost open day, but it's also the day mm-hmm. that I plan on doing the most work mm-hmm. uh, because it's time where we can get our work done is right. on Thursday. Um, you know, I'm Artist Alley. I'm just going to walk around. I mean, I want to talk to Yale Stewart, uh, definitely. Uh, I'm going to talk to him. It's cool because Artist Alley, it's called Artist Alley, but there are, there are writers mm-hmm. who hang out there too, which mm-hmm. is, is, is definitely pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> I'm hoping to get to talk to Sean Murphy. We were supposed to interview him last year, but just scheduling stuff happened and we, c- we couldn't do it. So I'm really looking forward to hopefully talking to him. Um, it's cool people that, I mean, Greg Pak is going to be there. Um, who knows if he'll be there on the actual uh, the actual day. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, Charles Soule is going to be in Artist Alley. Yeah, I need that information uh, yeah. from you. Also, uh, H7. Okay. <laughs> uh, I forgot to mention a few names. Uh, Greg Rucka mm-hmm. will be autographing yeah. on Thursday. Matt Kent will also be autographing on Thursday. And a Bob favorite, Joe Canones. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't have a booth, though, it looks like. No, but he's he's got several spots throughout the entire weekend. So yeah, yeah. I'm sure at one point, you know, you'll get to, to say something to him, maybe yeah. pick up uh, a nice cover or something. Uh, have one in the kitchen, need another one. <laughs> uh, will Sliney will be there. Nice. By, by the way, he'll be in our Sally. Um, I always am 
I, I do want to be able to go around and talk to some of the more veteran guys. Um, like Bill Sinkevich will be there. I'd love to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think it's a great time to talk to those guys, guys who made, maybe aren't, uh, on Twitter, aren't on Facebook. Don't use Skype. Maybe don't have the, you know, the ease and comfort with like these modern ways of us talking the way we talk to creators, possibly that we, that's the chance that we can actually talk to those people. So I'm excited about that. Um, um, what did I say? What else did I have uh, marked down here? I have my the NYCC app open. And I'm going through the people mm. I, I checked off. Um, I don't know if Tom Zoller is going to be there, but the, his art the studio, studio is there. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure he is either. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a question mark on that for myself. He was there last year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I bought the trades from him directly. That's right. how he yeah. ended up coming on. That's what there. I did too. Right. That's what. That's what I thought. Um, and there's just like a list that's a mile long of people that are going to be there. Um, but I'm looking forward to just walking around and, you know, it's cool. Like you, you can walk around and you can, um, see somebody's art that you think is beautiful and interesting and you can just talk to them, you know, and it's not about right. knowing so much or planning that you're going to, you said an interview, which is, Hey, um, I think this deserves to be put out there. And this year we're doing a lot more video stuff. So we're going to be able to show you a lot more of the stuff that we're right. seeing uh, on the floor. We're going to try to every interview we do, unless they tell us we can't, we're going to try to make it a video interview. So um, hopefully you'll you'll see these people and see the stuff, the, the work uh, that they're putting out. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to just walking around and doing it. Like you said, Matt Kent is going to be there and I'm, I'm excited to at least get to meet him. If not talk, uh, actually interview him. And, I really, really want to interview Pete Tomasi. Um, he's going to be an artist alley. Um, it's tough to get a hold of him, it seems, as far as for regular interviews. Um, and uh, I have a request in with DC, but if, if I don't get that, I'm going to go to the his artist alley booth and just see if he'll, he'll talk. Maybe, uh, maybe this will be the year we get our Amanda Connor yes. interview. Yes, yeah, well, she is there. Yeah, she is there. Well, Bob, I mean, if you get stuff lined up and you need help, all you got to do is come and grab me, and I'll yeah. partner up with you. Okay, okay. Yeah. So. Um, well, and the cool thing too is uh, this year, like we'll all have we all have, we all recorders last year, obviously, mm-hmm. but this year, I mean, you have your camera, I have I my camera, and I also have my, my little GoPro camera, which is super easy to use. It's a button click, and it's everything's in focus, and everything's in frame. Mm-hmm. So it, we're gonna we're gonna get this done. We're gonna see a lot of cool stuff, and it's gonna be self sufficient enough for anyone to basically do it, which which will be nice. Um, and we have a bigger team this year to to help us out. Um, so yeah, I mean, Katie Cook's gonna be in Artist Alley. Um, Peter David's mm. gonna be in Artist Alley. Uh, Ryan Stegman is gonna be in Artist Alley, and I, I would really love to talk Ooh. to Ryan Stegman. Uh, I I love his work on on the Spider Man books. I think it's it's awesome. Um, J- Jimmy Palmiotti is gonna be in Artist Alley. Um, we'll have to talk to him about you know uh, Harley Quinn and what, what's what's going on with yeah. that. Uh, Joe Maguire is gonna be there. He'll probably be mobbed, but if it's not if it's on Thursday, hopefully, and he's there, we'll be able to talk to him. Uh, Phil Jimenez is gonna be there. Um, so there's a bunch of pe- bunch of people there. Uh, Freddie Williams, who's does the art in the movement. Nice. I would love to talk to him. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll again we'll run to people that we're not we're not expecting. As far as panels uh, on on Thursday go, um, the Women in Comics panel it, it seems interesting to me. Um, there's a lot of educational stuff going on uh, that day, um, which it all sounds cool to me, but it's not the kind of thing that I'll go to see and maybe possibly miss. I wish that we had a couple of our writers on the site that were with us that I, yeah. Joey, right? Yeah. Yeah. He would have been great yeah. for that. Yeah. Cause yeah. yeah. And it just, it's something that I, I, it's, we've seen how crazy it gets other days and it's tough for me to go, I'll go to this panel, which seems cool to me. That maybe if I was going just as a 
uh, uh, con goer, I might go, hey, this seems cool. I'll go to this. But the fact that I might miss an interview because I wanted this panel that I might not get anything out of except for some mile entertainment, it's just tough for me to for right. Thursday, I mean, yeah. aside from like a few things that we'll we'll get to in a bit. Yeah, my everything for me happened last year and I suspect that it'll happen again this year is just the stuff that you run into yeah. people you run into. And all of a sudden, yeah. like if they tell you like, well, I'm, I'm busy right now, but if you come back in a half hour, you know, we'll be wrapping up my, my hour here and we can take a couple minutes to chat while I'm packing up mm-hmm. that you want that interview. You got to yeah. move your whole, you got to forego yeah. that panel or that thing that mm-hmm. you were going to go and do. You might even have to put off lunch yeah. for a little while. Yeah. Um, there's a cool one. There's like a, a Carmine Infantino visual lecture that's happening at 6:45, mm-hmm. which I think would be awesome uh, to check out. Um, there's a lot of panels about m- like making comics that day. You know, editing comics the Boom Studios way, which seems like a, a cool thing. Um, there's writing comics the, you know, the uh, the Comicsology way, which I heard last year was very very good. Um, but Again, these are things that if I have time, we don't think I'll, I'll definitely check them out. But I think that they're not stuff I can really plan to go see. The women in comics yeah. thing is the one thing that I'm really yeah. mm-hmm. that is early in the day too. Yeah, it's three fifteen. So yeah. and the and the and the the floor is open till three on Sunday. I mean Thursday. Sunday. Is it only three? Is it two? I don't know. It's something like that. I thought it's. I, I think it's it three. Uh, yeah, it's definitely it's much later, obviously, than 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 the other days. Um, the floor opens. I mean, there's panels before that. Right. There's panels at twelve. There's panels at one. Mm-hmm. But I think the show floor doesn't open until three because I think even last year I got there and that was I had to wait to go onto the show floor. Right. Um, so anything else on Thursday? Anybody wants to shopping? Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely looking forward to checking out the the um some of like the Funko vendors. Definitely want to check out the We Love Fine, mm-hmm. uh, you know, T-shirt and apparel booth. Uh, I have a friend, who, uh, my friend Annabelle. She's with the. Um, Oh my God! Vampire Freaks store oh. that's there. So uh, each year, well, not each year. I only went once, but it's kind of like my one time during the year to run into her and kind of catch up and do stuff like that. So that's fun. I ran into her just at random like six times uh, during last year, and with that many people, it was kind of you know Are you stalking me mm-hmm. kind of situation. But it was nice, mm-hmm. a nice stalking. Yeah, uh, <laughs> gentle. Yeah. <laughs> Probably get some good deal on books too, and the, they still have yeah. a lot of comics there. Yep, Thursday sh- and Sunday, mm-hmm. right at the end, uh, that one room with all the the big comic vendors, everything dropped within the last two hours. You had you know premium hardcover trades dropping to four bucks a piece. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. it's a great opportunity to pick up some stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's move on to Friday, Bob. I've got nothing on Friday. Amazingly. Nothing on nothing. Friday. Uh, the image panel. Oh, like yeah. To see what's what's going to be new. We get sometimes not enough information, not early enough mm-hmm. to sort of know what it is you're doing. So to hear six months in advance yeah. what's happening would be really cool. That's at 12.15. It is. It is. Um, image comics uh, with the behind the creations panel? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that should be interesting. I'm not sure... I feel like that's not the announcement panel, though. I feel like there's another panel they do that's more oh. like the panel. There's, a, there's another one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's more like just talking about to creators about the books that they make and oh, we're going okay. that. So you might hear stories about um, some books that you like, but I don't think you're going to get any announcements there. Gotcha. Um, the Obviously, at 11 a.m., there's the uh, Marvel Amazing X-Men and the Marvel Universe panel, mm-hmm. um, which we already know from some of those teasers we're going to get 
announcements at um, from some of the Marvel One Word teasers we've been seeing and that we talked about mm-hmm. uh, at length um, last week. Um, you know, those panels. I feel like the, you know the announcements will be news, and we want we'll definitely have that on the site for, for you guys. I feel like those panels a lot of times are for people unlike us who are kind of constantly immersed in, in this stuff. They often talk about stuff that we already know. That mm. is just stuff that most people don't know because they don't aren't constantly spending their lives reading this right. stuff online. Um, but yeah, so Steve, what else were you looking forward to on Friday? Uh, well, I've got down here. I've got the the Image Comics behind the creations. Mm. Uh, I have DC Entertainment All Access, mm-hmm. which um, what's that about? Says uh, at DC Entertainment, there's never a better time to be a comics fan. Come to this All Access panel and find out what our top talent across DC Comics, Vertigo, and DC Digital have been up to. This panel can be viewed through the uh, NYCC live stream at blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Friday, the main event for me, our friend uh, Kyle, or Superbad Larry, is coming to the Comic-Con event specifically. He and I are going to go and check out the new Evangelion film, 3.33. Redo, I've seen about 40 minutes of this film, and it it blew me away. (laughs) Absolutely blew me away. Evangelion's my, my favorite anime series of all time. I can't wait to see the movie on the big screen. Uh, he and I will exchange spots throughout the day if we have to 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 get in and, and see this movie. Uh, unfortunately, it's up against the Morning Glory Study Hall Live. <laughs> Motherfucker. Really, really would have loved to have checked that out. Um, any of these things that I mention, I am fully aware that some of these probably cross over with things that I will have to make <laughs> sacrifices. I just want people to know what I'm interested in. Uh, there's something going on called How Puppets Are Made Workshop with puppeteer Noel McNeil. Uh, he's the puppeteer behind, uh, or one of the main puppeteers behind Bear in the Big Blue House and Sesame Street. Uh, he will conduct a 30-minute puppeteering workshop for NYCC guests, showing them the secrets of lip sync and manipulation used by professional puppeteers, including his colleagues um, from the Muppets and various puppets that uh, guests will get to animate. So they're going to be bringing in like official characters from Sesame Street. You might get to like, you know, manipulate Ernie or Bird or Cookie Monster or something. I grew up on that stuff. I love puppets, and I, I particularly love the Jim Henson-made stuff. So to me, if I could get a good spot in there, that's like a dream come true for me. Uh, Can we get to be Big Bird? Oh, I would love to be Big Bird or Snuffy. <laughs> hey, Bird. Uh, <laughs> Kelly Sue DeConnick has an autographing from uh, 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock mm-hmm. at booth 1836. There is a Marvel Avengers panel going on i assume that uh mr hickman will be there um, Mm -hmm. uh, among others uh tom uh brevort uh lauren sankovich um mighty avengers yeah it's it's all it's new avengers secret avengers Mm -hmm. it's gonna be an avenger tastic Mm -hmm. kind of thing uh if i'm going on too long just let me know no no go ahead uh there's a gta 5 uh, IGN Live with Michael, Trevor, and Franklin. <laughs> so they're gonna have the the, oh, the three, voice actors. Yeah, the oh, three cool. voice actors are gonna are gonna come to Comic Con and basically discuss the you know mm. the game and 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 how it was made and how that voiceover stuff works in the character voices, uh, which I'm assuming are very much like their own. Yeah. So I mean, 
it's not important to me. It's kind of like one of those like hoots or larks that mm-hmm. I threw on my schedule. I probably won't make it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a Bob's Burgers thing. Absolutely, positively love Bob's Burgers. Um, that's that's it for my Friday. Uh, and like I said, Evangelion three point three three is my that's my that's my jam mm-hmm. for Friday. Uh, for me in the in the morning, I'm supposed to be talking to Kevin Smith and the the cast of Comic Book Men. You're actually talking to them? Yeah, it's a roundtable interview. So I mean, it's not me one on one, but it's me and a couple of reporters. Oh, that's awesome! The roundtable with them. Um, so that will be cool. Are you, are you gonna uh, pull yeah. like a Wayne and Garth and yeah. just say like, we're not worthy? Yeah. <laughs> um, I gotta come up with a, like, at least one, I probably only get a chance to ask one question or something like that, but uh, I gotta make it a good one. Um. Uh, so there's that in the morning and then, um, I don't know if I'll go to this or not, but, uh, at 2.45, there's a look, look at the Legend of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds with Anuma son, who is the director of the games, has been directing those games since, I think, Ocarina. I think he's been directing since then. Very cool. Um, so I'm interested in that. I don't know if I'll get a chance, but it's at 2.45, uh, on Friday. Um, I think it'd be cool to see Justice League War. They're showing a first look at the next DC animated movie. Uh, I would like to see that. That's but that's the same time as the Zelda thing, so I'm not sure which one I would pick if I get to go. Um, that's the same time as the Walking Dead 10th anniversary panel, which I will not be attending because it's going to be a madhouse. Mm. But that is happening yeah. then at three o'clock. Is a IGN podcast Beyond Live, um, which that would just be a lark for me because I love that podcast. Listen to it every week, and I'd love to see those guys uh, do it live. Um, you know, at the same time as that Avengers panel is a Superman panel going on. Um, I went to the Avengers panel last year, and I just again same thing as the X Men panel. I feel like it's it'll be it's a cool thing, but I, I don't think it's essential. Um, uh, I mean, I'm interested in uh, Max Brooks's Zombie Survival and Extinction uh, Parade <laughs> insights because <laughs> I love World War Z and the Zombie Survival Guide. So I think that would be a really uh, fun panel to to, to attend. Um, let's see. And I think that's pretty much it for me on, uh, on Friday, um, as far as things I have marked here. Um, and again, I, I think, uh, Friday is going to be those panels attempt to get some interviews. Hopefully we have some stuff lined up. Yeah. Um, and you know, hopefully, you know, possibly see some stuff on the show floor because they often have games and stuff out there. So maybe that'll be a day where I go and try to check out as much of that stuff as possible. Um, change it up a little bit. From- I want to see some Godzilla too. Yeah, did you watch that teaser? This is totally yeah. off topic, but yeah. um, did you see it? Uh, oh, go, dude, did I see it? It's a matter of how many times did I watch it, and how many times did I did I skip forward to the last like eleven seconds? Yeah. Oh, oh. I'm I'm dying. I'm dying. I <laughs> no, want to le- see it so le- bad. Legendary had such a big profile last year yeah. with all the Pacific Rim stuff. I mm. can't imagine. Yeah, they wouldn't go nuts with Godzilla. Yeah, I'm excited to well, see. Well, that that teaser will officially debut at Comic Con. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. So I don't know how big of a deal it is now that everybody's seen it, but yeah. they're still going to be showing it yeah. at, at the show. Yeah, I'm uh, excited about that. That looked really, really cool. It um, did. So yeah, so uh, that's uh, that's my Friday. Uh, Saturday, Bob, lay it on me. Saturday's more packed for me. Yeah, we, I want to hit the Amy Reader. Rocket Girl panel uh, that mm-hmm. comes out tomorrow, but I'd rather get it from her. She'll mm-hmm. have extra copies and yep. get to see what that's all about. The Marvel Now panel, I do want to try to get to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
which is, you know, unfortunately right after that. So I don't know if I can manage the two because you got to wait around or as you're suggesting, sneak in at the end when no one's watching. I don't know if it's sneak in. I just think it's, yeah. it's so much that if you're – there's probably always going to be room because those are usually in the biggest – Halls. Gotta flash that badge, Bob. And unless they're, uh, unless it's like a movie panel or something, they usually don't completely, uh, you know, get get packed out completely where they can't even have people standing in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I'll look for that. There's also a kids' costume parade at two o'clock. Oh, really? <laughs> which I just have the urge to see. You see, so many of them just wandering around the show, which was really very cool. But they're in passing with parents, and you you can't stop and look. Having a whole ton of little wolverines or whatever mm. supermans i think it'd be very very cool <laughs> little Cu- spit curls yeah exactly uh cup of joe yeah but i know i'm not getting into that one. Oh, you come on bob you can get into it no yes. not gonna happen not gonna happen but i'd like i'd like to think so mm-hmm. then it's all our late night stuff mm-hmm. unfortunately they're all at the same time it's true <laughs> i think it's so, funny, funny how n- nowhere in these schedules have we said lunch yeah, no, well, I mean, no, that will happen, but that's not interesting. Or, yeah, it's, it's, it's what we're gonna eat. this breakfast and dinner. You don't need yeah. lunch, just coffee or Red Bull or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Unless you want to have a $9 turkey sandwich <laughs> that's the size of a, like a $2 sandwich. Pita. Uh, well, they, they had one thing there. Well, actually, I don't know. No, they it's had me- nothing there that was reasonably priced. Come on. No, not reasonably priced. Just they look tasty. I'm sure some of it's tasty, it, but it's really expensive. At those prices, it better be tasty. It's like what buying are, food at an airport. One of the things yes. that is funny, though, about going to like the food court area is seeing all the people in their cosplays awkwardly eating. Mm, yeah. It's so yeah. great. Yeah, it's tough to pick up a cheeseburger with yeah. Wolverine claws. Your it's tail really... is in the ketchup. You might want to you know, <laughs> yeah, move over a bit. Robots taking off their heads and their arms and their giant swords. It's hysterical. <laughs> now we have a, uh, we're all going to the Molly Danger launch party. Yeah. Which is at 7.30, and we have our own meetup at 8.30, so we have to leave that one to get to that. But at 7 o'clock at something called the New Yorkin Cafe down in the village, there's a creator's, it's a poetry club of some kind. It's creators, and it's about women and minorities and how this all works and how you get more things out to more people, represent Mm -hmm. everybody, and Kelly Sue DeConnick's going to be there. So I may try to get there early and bug out, which is really rude. But we have we have all these other commitments, There's so a lot of commitments we, we got to do these. Things. We do. Yeah. Um, we'll flit about the rooms and so yeah. kind of we'll name drop later. Um, sorry for me. There's the I don't know if I'll get a chance to go to this, but there's a Marvel video games uh, panel at twelve fifteen. I'm interested in going to that. Um, there's also I would because of my previous obsession with it i would love to see the mythbusters presents a punk <laughs> yeah. a pumpkin chunkin extravaganza uh they're very funny live who's coming it's not um adam and uh okay, but it's, Corey it's, and it's tory and and uh carrie and, Grant. and Cor- okay yeah. they were an icon a few years ago they're funnier in person because yeah. it's them and yeah. not anybody else yeah if you're interested go to see it because they'll they'll be great i'm sure they'll be great i love that show so is there no kaiju big battle this year? No kaiju big battle. I'm very oh. disappointed in that. <laughs> um, Missed our chance last year. Um, what else do you have going on Saturday? One fifteen. Uh, Marvel Inhumanity and all new Marvel now. That seems like that's going to be a. Um, I believe that's the one. That's going to be some uh, announcement laden. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell us where all those te- what all those teasers are. Yeah, some of those. I mean, that, that, those are spread out over a bunch of panels. If you oh, look okay. at all those teasers, you can see them on there. Um, 
So I definitely, I definitely want to try to get into that. I mean, Saturday is going to be a big panel day for me because it's going to be so crazy on the show floor. It, it's, you're not even able to walk. Um, so it's, that's something I would like to be able to see. I think it's funny, like stuff like Harry Potter, uh, New York City presents one dueling instruction. <laughs> Seems like it would be a blast to just do it. You know what I watched last year was the Quidditch yeah thing we yeah. were i was waiting in line uh my friend was was going to meet christopher lloyd and i got to watch about 45 minutes of this thing it was pretty intense yeah i'm sure it was people were really into it oh and i saw that was in the cattle pen room yeah the, it, by the it autograph had yeah. its own set of rules like it was hardcore yeah um so there's that i mean what else uh well cup of joe right is at four on on saturday Oh, they changed it. It yeah. was at three. Okay. Um, it's at four. If this, if the app is to be believed, um, at the same time too is the Valiant Comics panel, um, which should be interesting as far as news goes. Um, and then at four fifteen, there's Robert Kirkman's Skybound panel. I mean, I'm obviously not going to all of these, but these are some of the things that pique my interest. Mm. Um, there's a Marvel Agents of Shield panel, which you'll never get into unless you wait for a whole day, and that's just not interesting to me. Uh, a New Fifty Two panel. I don't think you'll get any announcements there so it's not very interesting to me um if you have a 3ds though yep at 5 30 on saturday the nintendo community street pass oh god panel so it's all all be all about street passing you better bring your 3ds if you want i am bringing my 3ds i want it just for the pedometer yeah (laughs) i want to know i want to know how uh how many miles i walked during this weekend <laughs> and then um at 6 30 i think steve and i both want to go to this the vertigo defy panel that's yeah that yeah. is my main that's yeah. the main event for me on saturday yeah i'm really looking forward to that there's a cool sounding panel at the same exact time the geeks of color assemble minorities and fandom i did see that Ooh. yeah which I was, seems I was like an interesting upset panel that, that was a you, conflict yeah um and for me, that's it on Saturday. Steve, anything else for you on Saturday? Uh, well, to start off in the morning, I got three things that I'm interested in that are all at the same damn time. <laughs> so I've got IGN, IGN presents Xbox One, PS4, and the future of gaming. It sounds cool, but I mean, I'm so glued to the gaming news every day mm-hmm. that I don't know that there's going to be any major thing that it's yeah. you know any major revelations. So I could probably skip that. I think that'd be more if you wanted to if you like some of the personalities that are in IGN, if you wanted to yeah. see them. I think that's more of that's for than anything else. Yeah. Um, then you have the Legend of Korra panel oh, uh, right. Avatar. I just watched the they just premiered the episode the new episode of the Legend of Korra season two. Uh, it is that that series just the Avatar series continues to uh, be a tremendous, tremendous example of quality animation and storytelling. The new season is extraordinarily dark and introduces a whole new uh, form of bending that is very uh, Miyazaki-ish in nature. And I am totally, totally digging it. But what this is going to be about is the voice cast will be there and they're going to be revealing uh, scenes and trailers for the rest of the season. But I'm of the mind where I don't want to see a frame (laughs) of what's to come because I love I love watching it in its final form and just being totally entertained that I will probably skip that and end up going to the uh, Rocket Girl uh, Amy Reader and and Brandon Montclair presentation. Mm-hmm. Really excited about that book. I missed out on the Kickstarter, but uh, I'm very very happy to see that they've teamed up again for another project. I really enjoyed Halloween Eve, and can't wait to see what they bring with that. 
Uh, we've got the Marvel in Humanity and all new Marvel now. Would be nice. Uh, traveling east of west with Hickman and Dragada is at three o'clock on Saturday uh, in room one A one zero. So uh, that could go either way. I'd kind of like to be there, but I don't need to be there. Mm-hmm. If it's a if it's a matter of being there or doing something, doing an interview, or or just possibly scoring more interviews, I think I yeah. would sacrifice it for that. Uh, I would love to think that I'll be inside of uh, Marvel's Cup of Joe. I didn't go last year, mm-hmm. and it, it sounds kind of like the the place to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, DC New Fifty Two, me. Uh, Vertigo, Defy, absolutely, absolutely, no doubt about it. Um, do, do, do. Oh wow, am I getting into? Wow, I I, I got to my Sunday stuff already. All I right. guess there's really Ooh. not too much. And so you guys know, I mean, you you're gonna there's our coverage. Uh, we're going to have people probably who aren't the con doing a lot of the new stuff for the site, and we're going to try to update it as much as possible. The coverage of the actual things we're talking about going to see, you probably won't see a lot of traditional, like, we're not going to write up the, the panels, because I feel like that's something that every site does, and you can get it quicker on comic book resources or whatever, but what you will get is either you'll hear our impressions about it, you'll see video stuff from it, you'll hear you'll hear audio from it. If it's the case, if it's a small room, like the Womanthology panel last year that Steve went yep. to and recorded, we put that, we put that up. And people seem to really like that. Some of the bigger halls, it's tough because you can't really hear in like the big Marvel panels. But some of these more intimate ones, you'll, you'll hear cool stuff. And obviously, at the end of every day, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk. We're going to podcast about mm-hmm. all this stuff. So you're going to hear impressions of I think, stuff. I think it's funny that at the, the Womanthology panel from last year that I got to ask a question. And I kind of, I, in hindsight, I probably should have asked something a little bit more creative. But uh, Rachel Pandich kind of like scoffed at my question, it was a very like answer done, move on, yeah. <laughs> no elaborate whatever. And now we're like we've been like super friendly on Twitter for the mm. past couple of months. <laughs> so I'm like you used to scoff at me, ha <laughs> um, But yeah, no, I mean, you know, we can only be in so many places at once. And yeah, I mean those those bigger websites and stuff, they're gonna have those that news up so quick, quicker than than we could. I mean, we'll have some stuff, yeah. but. You know, we'll be giving a lot of, I guess, personal accounts and, and personal edge mm-hmm. to the events. Like, if you want to know what was reported, you know, you'll find that out anyway. But if mm-hmm. you want to know what it was like to be there, yeah. that's what we'll be doing. Absolutely. Ooh, very nice. So, uh, <laughs> what's it going to be like to be there on Sunday with you, Bob? What are you going to be doing? Well, I'm going to try to go yell at Dan Didio at, at 1045 Oh, on yeah, Sunday. the Sunday conversation with Dan Didio. <laughs> I'd like to have a conversation. <laughs> What is it about marriage you don't like? <laughs> Raise my hand and get marriage. escorted out of the room. No, I, I, I would like to see what he has to say. It's I really would. Interesting panel. That feels to me like their cup of Joe thing. Yeah. So I'd like to see what that's all about. It is early though on a Sunday. Yes, it is. So I don't know about that. What yes, time is it? Well, ten forty-five. That right? could mean I have a chance to get in. Yeah, ten forty-five. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Cup of Joe, you know, he runs those columns. You see them, and you know, yeah. he sort of does his own little stand soapbox yeah. here and there. You, except for hearing terrible things from Dan Didio, mm. we don't hear much. So I, yeah. you know, I'm joking about yelling at him, yeah. but it would be fascinating to hear what he really has to say in a yeah. setting like that. Absolutely, to <laughs> see where it's about. The big thing, really, for me for the entire weekend is the Women of Marvel panel mm-hmm. at 115. I went to last year's. And it was just incredible. It was Janine Schaefer and, and Ellie Pyle. We have all sorts of uh, 
information, insight. We had taught, they just threw it all open for questions, and questions became conversations between the panel and us. Afterwards, they all stood outside. We had basically another panel in the hallway, which was kind of cool. So the, um, I'm looking forward to that being another highlight. The the panel lineup is spectacular. You got Jordy, we have now? You got Jordi Belair, Stephanie Hans, dun, 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 mm-hmm. uh, Janet Lee, uh, Marjorie, Lou, Marjorie Lou, and many more. Mm. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Yeah. You would think Kelly Sue would be there this year. Considering uh, she's she be is, in town, she is right? staying Sunday. Yeah. I think she's part of that and many more. But yeah, don't who knows? Know. We, we don't know that. that. We're not this night in, 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 any inside information. No, there. I'm gonna just, miss the hullabaloo. So you'd guess. Yeah. I just yeah. realized. <laughs> I think if she can make it, yes. she will. But yeah. it comes down to you know traveling back across the country and all the rest of that jazz. Now, sadly for me, it's that's opposite the Saska sisters. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, who directed American Mary and Dead Hooker in a Trunk. Mm-hmm. And they've made a movie for WWE Studios, who keeps sending me email. Yeah, I got a lot of emails <laughs> from WWE. Please come in and see this movie with Kane, whoever the heck Kane is. He's a wrestler. Know. He's a wrestler. The Undertaker's brother. Oh, quotes. okay. Didn't he just die? No, that was uh, Paul Bearer. Oh, yeah, Paul okay. Bearer, yeah, uh, thank yeah, you, yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right. I ran into Paul Bearer at a uh, Nick Cave concert not too so long weird. ago. He's like, That's... oh, scared. <laughs> he, let me tell you something, dude. Oh, that guy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. He is, I mean, you know, rest in peace. Yeah. He's a fucking ugly man. Yeah. He's an yeah. ugly, ugly man. Yeah. Um, well, well, it's. I didn't see See No Evil 1. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jen and Sylvia Saska are identical twin horror movie directors who make wonderfully twisted, weird little movies and the chance to have sat down and get a question in in a roundtable interview setting and not have a wrestler, you know, put me in the sleeper hold might have been fun (laughs) if I asked the wrong question. But there are priorities. And Mm -hmm. the Women of Marvel panel, this is what we do. Yeah, exactly. uh, Yeah, absolutely. Maybe I'll run into them in the hallway or something. Maybe, yeah. I feel like running into identical twin horror directors in a hallway would be scary. <laughs> well, in come uh, interview us. Yeah. They uh, they self financed their first two movies. This one they'll they'll get to spend some money on. Yeah. In American Mary, we'll go. I'll briefly digress. Mm-hmm. It's uh, did you anyone see Ginger Snaps? Yeah. Yes. Well, well, yes. It's it's uh, the trilogy. Ka- Catherine Isabel. Catherine is With it the Catherine? main character. Yeah. Yeah. She's so. in American Mary. Oh, okay. She's the lead. She's a medical student, uh, starting her internship, out of money, credit cards, terrible, can't find a second job while she's going to go intern, answers an ad to be a stripper, Mm -hmm. goes to some bar, hands in her resume that says she's a medical student, so on (laughs) and so forth, gets turned down. She's very pretty, but she's obviously not a stripper. She's leaving. Someone gets hurt downstairs, gets shot. And the owner of the club goes, well, you're a doctor. Go down and do something about it. I'll pay you five grand cash now. She does it, then starts getting visits and phone calls from all these weird people in the body modification community who want surgery done under the table. And at some point, the Saska sisters show up in their own movie Uh, because they want, even though they're identical twins, they want to be made closer. Okay. It sounds weird. Well, they... Uh, should I spoil American Mary? Don't spoil it. No, okay. no, no. Because people but might want to see it now. Th- it, is, it is a really creepy moment, but this is a funny, dark comedy because not all of them mm-hmm. are funny. This is actually funny. Yeah. It's also a revenge picture. Mm-hmm. 
and a horror movie, all wrapped up in one little like forty thousand dollar production. All right. So I'm missing them. And there's a Spidey panel at four o'clock because I want to hear what happens to Spider-Man. Yeah, there. That's gonna be an interesting panel. That's that was a big one last year. It'll be another big this year. I'm glad this year it's later because last year was, I think that was the early panel on Sunday morning. I yes. think that was an early early panel. Um, and this one is actually at a at a normal time of of the afternoon. Um, anything after that that you nope, wanted to say? No, that's the end of the day for me. Um, well, I'm also interested in the Sunday conversation with Dan Didio. I don't know if I'll get in in time to see that. Um, there's two at 12 that I, I'd be cool to see. One is creating graphic novels for kids, which I think would be a, a very, very mm-hmm. cool hmm. uh, thing to check out there. Um, Paul Pope's going to be on that um, and uh, a, a, a cadre of other uh, all-ages creators. And there's also Chills and Goosebumps with R.L. Stein at the same oh. time, which I would love to, to check out. Um, uh, other than that, uh, Woman of Marvel, I absolutely want to be in with that. Um, there's uh, one called uh, Code Monkey Save the World inside the graphic novel Kickstarter. Um, this was a, a graphic novel Kickstarter by Greg Pak and uh, Jonathan Colton, who is a musician who uh, is very big in the, like, the geek community. And they started a Kickstarter together for a comic book uh, based on his music. And it was huge. The Kickstarter was huge. So huh. I'm very interested in those kind of successes and also interested in seeing what their partnership and creative relationship is like uh, him as a musician and him and Greg Pak as a writer. Nice. Um, so that's, that's pretty cool to me. And then I think that's it for me uh, on Sunday. Obviously Sunday ends um, earlier Sunday. I, I believe it closes at four, the show floor. So um, that's it for panels for me. Hopefully yeah. I also, that'll be the day to get some deals done and, and to uh, check out a little more artist alley um, mm-hmm. as well. And hit the block. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of bargains on Sunday down there, and it's all graphic novels, trades, yeah. sets. The mm. block? What's that? That's that little sidebar thing you went through the Ninja Turtles last uh, year. That's that's the area yeah. that the I'm Batmobile talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were great last year. I walked away with a, a bunch of great stuff. What's uh? What's your Sunday? Oh, uh, boy, let's see. Well, unfortunately, the Lazarus Family Wealth and Violence in the Near Future panel with uh, Greg Rucka is the same time as the Women of Marvel. <laughs> so, Women of Marvel, got to give it up. I really do want to be there. Uh, unfortunately, that is also the time of the Aw oh Yeah Comic Drawing Competition and Hullabaloo <laughs> with oh. Art Balthazar and, uh, Balthazar and Franco. This is another thing, just one of those funny little things that's at Comic-Con that I would love to think that I would be able to check out and won't. I can just kind of go like the kaiju big battle. Like, ah, oh, come on, I'm going to go, and then I don't go. Um, Sleepy Hollow has a panel. I'm really, I'm really enjoying the show. I don't know that I need – I don't even know if anybody that's in the show is going to no, be there. Are. They're all there. Oh, they're all there. They're they all are. there. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, it also has the benefit of being right at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. it's something you could probably get into without really having to take away from anything. Right. I mean, maybe maybe I can check it out for like a half hour, but um, at uh, 3.40, there's a John Barrowman photo op. Oh, boy. So uh, get me some of that. And uh, I'm just kidding. I don't care. Um, I do love John Barrowman, but I don't need to be at the photo op. Explain John Barrowman to me, please. John Barrowman. Barrowman. Yeah, he's in uh, doing well, he's Doctor Who and Torchwood. Plays Captain Jack Harkness. Oh, he's an extraordinarily charismatic and funny uh, actor. I like him a lot. He was cool. also uh, 
he was the villain, uh, like the the big bad in the first season of Arrow, mm-hmm. and he's he's probably for a very long time he was the only thing keeping me through those really rough episodes was the fact that that he was on the show and he was like where where a lot of other aspects of that show were kind of underwhelming and cheesy every time that he came onto the camera it was it was gold worth getting his autograph yeah (laughs) um i like him a lot but um sorry for my ignorance guys no it's okay it's It's all right how many names do we drop all the time? You're allowed to not know a couple <laughs> or a bunch like me. Uh, but my other, my my main priority, I have two priorities that day. The Women of Marvel and the other is the Superior Spider-Man and Friends mm-hmm. panel at the end of the day from four to five. I would really, really, really love to, to be at this. Um, having met Dan Slott last year, uh, very, very sweet man. I, I'm loving, loving Superior Spider-Man, Superior Foes, Superior Team-Up, and the stuff that they've been hinting at with Spider-Man. You have The End, and just uh, all the Spider-related things that are happening. is a very exciting time to be a Spider-Man fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, to close out that weekend, I think it would be a blast to, yeah. to be at that panel. Yeah, absolutely. Um and then I'll die yeah. right after. And then I'll sleep for As soon as the day. adrenaline wears off, I'll become sick with con flu yeah. and then fight it until I leave for Canada the following Friday. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Hand sanitizer. Um, airborne. Airborne. And, it, and you know, vitamin C, zinc, whatever you want to take. Keep hydrated. Oh, bottle of water. Always. Mm-hmm. These are the things that you forget to do and these are the things that make you sick, you know? Um, last year I, that's what I did. I would, I had bottles of water with me. I would constantly be every two hours. I would take these little, these little Zycam tablets, which are like, uh, zinc and vitamin C concentrated basically. Mm. Um, and I did not get sick. You didn't get sick. I did not get you sick. lucky dog. Cause I, when yeah. I, when I got sick, I got sick hard. Yeah. I got yeah, sick absolutely. for like two weeks. I was dead to the world. Yeah, because you get the con crud. That's what well, I got the con crud from from Icon for Christ's yeah, sake. Like yeah. I just I'm susceptible to it. Yeah, I don't get sick like all year, but if I yeah. go to Comic Con, you can bet I'm walking away with the plague. Yeah, you got to keep the hand sanitizer and that vitamin C going, and keep hydrated, and you will be fine. Uh, I did that last year. I got to do a better job of it this yeah. year. I just drank. <laughs> worked out. The alcohol killed everything. Bob did a oh, man. God, you you partied so hard last year. Mm-hmm. Bob and I closed out two bars. Two bars in the same night. Yeah, Got two bars in the same night. Got home at 6.30 in the morning. Yeah. And that was before. That was just meeting up with Stephanie and Bill. And then Lauren. Right, and then Lauren that was and, Monday. And, and Grace <laughs> as well, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, it was a good time. All right, well, I, I can't understand why you got sick. <laughs> not me. No, not, not I didn't for get me. sick at all. Oh, this guy. Just got old. <laughs> the knees were not happy come the next Tuesday. Yeah. Um... All right, so that's our uh, Comic-Con uh, preview. Obviously, you'll be hearing a lot from us in the next few days. Uh, you'll be sick of us by the time we get to the we get to next uh, week. And uh, just a little, I mean, a little heads up. We'll definitely be tweeting out stuff yeah. from, from the show as well. So it's not like we won't have, you know, uh, as soon as things are announced, if it's, if it's that exciting, it's going up. Yeah. Um, and uh, also, if you guys are there, you know, tweet at us. Um, at Talking yeah. Comics on Twitter or send us a message on Facebook um, and we will 
let you know where we are and we can we can meet up, say hi, whatever. If you see us, make sure you say hi. Uh, we should be wearing Talking Comics t-shirts most of the time, so you should be able to pick us out. Um, all right, let's talk about what's on the shelves this week, which is going to be the stuff I read on the train in the way in and out of Comic-Con yeah. for the next uh, next week. Um, from Abstract Studios, we have Rachel Rising, number 20. Yeah. Um, from Action Lab Entertainment, Molly Danger, volume one, hardcover. And Vamplets, Volume 1, The Nightmare Nursery hardcover. Um, Joey Bertino reviewed Vamplets for us on the site, and he gave it a, a glowing review. Um, uh, from Archie Comics, we have Afterlife with Archie, number one, which is uh, like a zombie Archie story. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and is it the fellow who did uh, Marvel Knights Fantastic Four, the four book? Oh, uh, maybe. Let me. I'm going to look right now, Bob. I'm gonna, I would... I'm gonna blow. Fa- I would I'm gonna blow fact his. Check this. I would blow his name. He, he has a very tough name yeah. to say. Because um, he was a playwright before he yes. came to Marvel, and now he's a comic guy. Is it like Roberto? Uh, yeah, yeah. something. Roberto Aguiar Sacasa. I was close. Yeah, I just mixed them up a little. And I believe Francisco Francavilla is doing the art. So it could be a fun Archie book. It looks. The cover is awesome. Can I see it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom. Yikes. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I might have to check that out. Yeah. Um, from Avatar Press, Cross Badlands, number 38, uh, and George R. R. Martin's Skin Trade, number three. From Boom Studios, we have Three Guns, number three, Adventure Time, Candy Capers, number four. Um, we've got uh, Deathmatch, number 10, Hero Bear, and The Kid, The Inheritance, number three of five, and Sons mm. of Anarchy, number two. Uh, from Dark Horse mm-hmm. Comics, we have Abe Sapien, number six. Um, we've got a lot of, lot of hardcovers and trades. Um, we have Creepy Comics, number 14. We've got ElfQuest Special, The Final Quest, one shot. Halo Initiation, number three of three. Um, we've got Shaolin Cowboy, number one. Resident Alien, The Suicide Blonde, number two. Star Wars, number 10. And X, number six. From DC Comics, we have Astro City, number five. Batgirl, number 24. Yeah. Batman, number 24. Yeah. Batman Arkham Unhinged, number 19. Batman Lil Gotham, number seven. Catwoman, number 23. Coffin Hill, number one. Yes. Uh, Constantine, number seven. Um, we've got uh, Federal Bureau of Physics, number four. Sweet. Uh, was Collider, which is what it says in the mm-hmm. list. Yeah. Uh, Forever Evil Arkham War, number one of six. Hmm. Um, it's a Pete Tomasi book. Ah. Uh, Green Lantern Corps, number 24. Uh, Katana, number eight. Nightwing, number 24. Smallville Season 11, number 18. Stormwatch, number 24. Suicide Squad, number 24. Superboy, number 24. <laughs> Superman, Wonder Woman, number one. Whoa. Uh, Trinity of Sin, The Phantom Stranger, number 12. And World's Finest, number 16. I'll go one more. Let's on give one. It's written by Charles Soule. Let's give it a chance. <laughs> You're talking about you're talking about Superman, Wonder Woman. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm giving dismissive it a before it starts. Giving it a chance. Um, <laughs> I'm excited. Whole, I'm, I'm really excited. I really it. like the the that that big of, poster. A poster. It has a horrible tagline. The marketing on it is horrible. Which is love is a battlefield. Um, uh, I'm sure Pat Benatar is thrilled for the royalties. Yeah, then. but the, the art on it is beautiful. I love like all the use of all the different characters. Um, Dynamite. We've got uh, Cryptozoic Man number one. That's Damsels. the Kevin Smith book. 
Is it? That's the guys who work for oh, Wolf the Flanagan. comic book store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wolf Flanagan. Yeah, I didn't. Ha ha ha! A scoop. Bob is scooping me. Maybe Bob <laughs> should be going to the thing. Yeah. Um, oh, he's writing it and and doing the art on it. Wow, he's a really Ooh. good artist. He did the art on um, Cacophony and Why Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he's very talented. Yeah, uh, Damsels number ten, Lord of Mars number three. Owl number four, Pathfinder number nine, Red Sonja number four, yes. and Warlord of Mars number 28. Um, here we go. From IDW, we've got G.I. Joe Special Missions number eight. Um, we've got Ghostbusters number eight, uh, Judge Dredd number 11, um, Kiss Solo number one. Uh, we've got Magic the Gathering Theros number one, Mars Attacks Judge Dredd number two. <laughs> Memory Collectors, number one. Popeye Classics, number 15. Um, we've got Transformers. More than meets the eye. Robots in Disguise. Ah. Um, and we've got Triple Helix, number one. That's set in the Trio universe. That's John Byrne. Oh, really? Good to know. Mm-hmm. I'll pick that one up. I really like Trio quite a bit. Um, from Image Comics, we've got America's Got Powers, number seven of seven. Uh, that book's been coming out for, it seems like, two years. Uh, Bushido, number two of five. Chew, number 37. Ghosted, number four. Yes. Um, we've got Hoax Hunters, number 11. Uh, the first trade of Lazarus is out. Um, wow. Manhattan Projects, number 15. Mm-hmm. Miniature Jesus, number five of five. Multiple Warheads, Downfall, one shot. Peter Penzerfaust, number 15. Rocket Girl, number one. Uh, Sidekick, number three. Think Tank, number 10. Three, number one. Those things always mess me up. Walking Dead, number 115, of which there is a billion and a half covers. Oh, look at that. Yeah. There's like 12? There's a lot of them, yeah. (laughs) Um, It's the 90s. We're just getting to Marvel. From Marvel Comics, we have Astonishing X-Men, number 68. Final issue. issue. Avengers Mm -hmm. AI, number four. Avengers Arena, number 16. Captain America, number 12. Um, Deadpool number 18, Dexter number 4 of 5, Fearless Defenders number 10. Yeah. Infinity, Issue with dancing. Oh. Infinity number 4 of 6. Um, yes. We've got Superior Spider-Man Team-Up number 4. Yay. Um, Thor God of Thunder number 14. Nice. Ultimate Comics X-Men number 32, Uncanny X-Force number 12, Wolverine number 10, and X-Men number 6. Um, Is that still a crossover? Yes. I, yes, I believe. Because uh, mm-hmm. we have... Two more issues, I think, three. about all the, three more issues about including this one. Three, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see what else we got here from Titan A1 number five, um, Death Sentence number one of six, It Came number three of four. Um, from Valiant, we have Archer and Armstrong number 14, Eternal Warrior number two, uh, and from Zenoscope, we have the uh, Grim Fairy Tales Halloween Special Edition, um, The Shadowlands number five. Uh, Oz, number three. Uh, Through the Looking Glass, number one. Um, and uh, Screwed, number five. So uh, that is it for what's on the shelves uh, right now. There is a lot of books coming out and no, no. time for us to read them. No, none. <laughs> uh, this week. Um, Train reading material. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then you get to read all the stuff that you bought at the con. It's true. And carry it all around and get a, get a hunchback. Yeah. You better... You better covet that little baggie you get from that uh that breakfast oh yeah <laughs> i have my backpack which is very supportive all right because um, there are there are people i was getting eyeballs last year yeah um i had to buy a tote 
Mm-hmm. Ten yeah. bucks yeah. for a piece of nylon. Yeah, but you're a captive audience. Yeah. You should didn't spend thirty dollars on a stupid poster roll. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, yeah. So big releases. Uh, I hear from someone in the know that Batman number twenty four is fantastic. Uh, so oh. yeah, you yeah, know who I'm duh. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the same person. It's a mystery. Uh, um, so I'm excited about that. Um, so yeah, that's it for Talking Comics this week. If you guys want to get in touch with us at Talking, Com- Talking Comics on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics, and TalkingComicBooks.com is the website. Um, if you guys want to email us, it's podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com. And I promise you guys, once we're through with Comic-Con, uh, we'll, be, we'll be redoing listener questions again. We'll get back on that train. Uh, it's been a couple weeks, I know, but we've been jam-packed with stuff here on the show. Um, so yeah, so also guys, let us know if there's someone at the con that you want us to talk to. Tweet us about it, and you know what? Tweet at them and be like, "Hey, talk to talk, talk comics at, at the at Comic Con." There's a plan, you know. It, it helps. I'm not not even talking about like, oh, help, like we want to talk to Jeff Johns. Like, I don't even mean that. But if it's someone who you love, who maybe isn't that big, or we don't know, or doesn't know us, that's an easy way to connect us together, and we can maybe find each other and and talk to them. Um, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve, mine is at dead underscore anchorus. And Bob, your email address: Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. All right. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for listening. The next time you hear us, we'll be at New York Comic Con. So until then, for Steve. Vitamin C. Bob. See you tomorrow, Steph. (laughs) I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued.